Howard Stern. Whatever. Get out of here. On today's show, Howard welcomes legendary hard rockers, cultural icons, and rock and roll hall of famers. Kiss. I love you guys. Kiss will be here. You That's right. Kiss will be here later. And we celebrate Kiss. I mean, um, how many bands uh, have the longevity? Career success, 100 million album sales. Well, how many bands have that? Not many. That's a rare breed, Howard. We will celebrate the boys today. And I haven't seen Gene in a long time. Certainly uh, Paul Stanley, I think I met once. Yeah. So uh, uh, they're going to do a little performing and talk about the history of Kiss. So there you go. Yeah, the whole band has never been here, have they? No, that is correct, bro. As far as I, I mean, I mean, it could be the answer could be yes, but we don't have any memory of it. People remind me all the time of things that have happened, and I have no idea. But anyway, we will uh, be hanging with Kiss later on in the morning. I was just talking to JD. He was uh, he was playing me, and I was playing you. He was giving me a quiz. He says to me, he was on um, Billboard magazine's Twitter account. Uh-huh. And they announced that our friends in Metallica, Metallica's Black Album, has now spent 700 weeks on the top 200 chart. Coming really? in at number, yeah, coming in at number 145 this week. So it's the fourth longest charting album in history. And JD says to me, ar, 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 can you name the other three albums that are ahead of it? Like, and I was like, what? What do you want me to name? Oh, I said it like that. <laughs> Took me a while to um, <laughs> figure out what JD was talking about. But what he says is, okay, there were three albums ahead of Metallica. And I, I got the first one. I said it right away. I said Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And JD wow. says, yes, that is the okay. number one that is the number one album. Then I guessed Eagles Greatest Hits or Eagles Hotel California. And JD said, I'm wrong. It's not in the top three. It's not. So the only one I got so far was Pink Floyd. Okay. Pink, goof are you for getting that one. Pink yeah. Floyd, 972. Oh, I got it. I got it. Go ahead. Michael Jackson's either. Thriller? I would say Thriller. Yeah, Thriller. What Am I, am I right or am I wrong? Wrong. Wrong. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I bet you it's something stupid, like I, you would I never guess. Like I guarantee you might think one of well, I don't know. Well, it could be you, like well, you, you know, just argued with yourself and I know, well, it's a, a whole it's a whole I don't want to give too much away, so you don't have to give anything away. I, I'm I'm thinking it's probably something silly like, you know, Bing Crosby or something. You know, you know what I mean? Something like or No, or like, it doesn't go back that far, does it? Or one of the kids from like American Idol or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Something stupid like that. Um, you know, somebody, <laughs> Who could it uh, be? 
Uh, all right, you're gonna, I, I'm 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 pulling a blank here. I really don't know who it would be. Garth Brooks, maybe one of the country dudes. It is not Garth um, Brooks. Not Garth Brooks. Uh, is it a woman? You, I uh, no. I, Madonna, maybe, or like Mariah Carey. Some, sometimes you see these crazy stats. You go, yeah. they go like Mariah Carey sold more singles than the Beatles. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, like who, who? What the fuck? It is not. So a it's woman. not a woman at all. Is it a uh, group with a woman in it? <laughs> uh, I will. I mean, do you want me to give hints? I probably like ABBA, uh, ABBA, or something oh. like some band oh, like boy. that. They, yeah. they, okay, I will say one hint uh, for one of them. It is a band, uh, and no women are in the band. Mm, it's I, a rock uh, band. Boy, that doesn't narrow it down much, but. Uh, it could be the Beatles. It's it's always it's always weird that it's not the Beatles. Like oddly enough, it should always be the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, but it never is. You already um, said the Eagles' greatest hits, right? Did you? Ever, did you? Yeah, say that? I you said did. that. Yeah, it, it is Eagles. a greatest hit. One is a greatest hits album, but it is right, let me not think. the it's Eagles. A band with a greatest hits album. Frampton comes alive. Not Frampton comes alive. Yeah, all right. Band. With I, I'll, I'll give another hint. One is a band with the greatest hits album. One right. is a single person. Yeah, I would have thought maybe Frampton or something weird. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Give it to me. I don't want to be here all morning. <laughs> uh, Bob Marley's Legend okay. has been what? on for 771 weeks. And <laughs> the band Journey's Greatest Hits. Really? Seven, 750 <laughs> weeks. Journey's Greatest Hits is the number two? It's number three. Number three? And yes. Bob Marley's number two? Yep. Bob Marley sold that many albums? Yeah. Wow. That's mind-blowing. I, I mean, never Bob Marley would have guessed was, Bob Marley. Me neither. I wouldn't have guessed Journey either, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, that wouldn't have come out. No. but they're, they're more successful. You see, that's what I mean. They're more successful than you even know. Catherine, you're on the air. What's up in New Jersey? <laughs> oh, that much. Catherine, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Howard. I was wondering, um, are you, or I guess it would be Gary, in the works to interview Chris Stapleton? And also, have you heard the duet that he does with um, Justin Timberlake? It's fantastic. I've had Chris Stapleton on the show, and he was fabulous. He came in and he sang, and we talked for a long time. So you, you, you should definitely check that out on the app. I'm sure it's up there, uh, which you and have. have you because seen the duet he did with Justin Timberlake? That I haven't seen. He seems pretty uh, open and working with out. a lot of different types of people. But uh, when did yeah. he do that? When did he do a... I a, think a, it was probably like five years ago. I think it was uh, maybe the CMT Awards. It was, uh, he did Tennessee Whiskey. It was so good. Definitely well, maybe check it I did out. see that. Maybe I did see that. All right, I'll pull it up. I'll take a listen. Thank you. That's Catherine. Says, why don't you have uh, Chris Stapleton on? I have had him on, but I'd always Are have you planning back. to interview him? Well, we'd already did. Yes, <laughs> we planned it and we executed. <laughs> um, yeah. So that top two hundred albums, you know, kind of ruins it for Metallica because uh, they're number four behind. Uh, Bob Marley journey. Uh, journey. But anyway, congratulations to Metallica. That's a pretty big accomplishment. Imagine writing some tunes 
you know, again, like I said with Kiss, like Metallica has been around a long time. It is so hard in the music business. And I was watching American Idol last night. I thought I was you were going to watch this season. Well, you know, Katy Perry lost a lot of weight, and she she <laughs> she intrigues me. <laughs> she looks good, and uh, I like so watching. Funny. I like watching people singing and auditioning. I guess I do like. It. I hate the shtick. It's what I hated about America's Got Talent when I was a judge on there for four years. I hate the little parts where they clown around in between the kids coming. What in. the the judges? The shtick. The judges, the judges will start singing or teasing one another, or they'll have Katy Perry f- sliding around on the floor, or it's weird. It's like when I was on America's Got Talent, I've talked about this before. They, they were always encouraging us to have orchestrated fun. And I just hated it. I hated hanging around with, um, and no offense to the Howie or, Heidi or uh, the other one, Mel B. Mel B. Yeah, you know, I just couldn't stand the... I hate orchestrated fun. I just do. I, I'm not good at it. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's funny. And, uh, you know, judging to me is the fun part. It's this, It's a serious task. Some kid is asking you, some act is asking you for your opinion... And to me, that's interesting enough. I don't want to be a clown, an ass clown. And I, and and by the way, Howie, and it's not a put down of Howie. I'm a big Howie fan. I, he's good at doing that clowning around and popping out of a cake and putting on a dress and doing all that weird shit. And it's great. And I and I, I was so grateful for him being there because whenever they asked me to be an ass clown, I said no. And then they would just say, Howie, you do it. And he was happy to do it. And that's cool with me. You know how he's been around a long time. He's a professional comedian. He's like, he likes doing like stunts and he's good at it. And so, yeah, let Howie pop out of the fucking cake. And then they go, well, Howie is going to pop out of the cake, but you have to sit there and laugh. And I go, well, <laughs> I don't want to insult the guy. I don't want to, I don't want to. And, and Heidi and Mel are terrific at sitting there and then they jump in and they act like they're part of it. You know, I said, you, you guys hired me for a judge. There was no mention that I had to be a clown. Judge and clown are separate jobs. I don't clown. I don't jump out of a little car with the other judges. And I didn't even want to be involved with the other judges in terms of any kind of shtick. Now, when it came to arguing about an act or some sort of verbal intercourse about uh, an act being good or not, I'm down for that. That's That's cool. But it's the shtick. And then I see, when I watch American Idol, I see that, like, I guess Katy Perry's under a lot of pressure to clown around a lot and, like, run around and, and fall on the floor and stuff. And to me, she's, um, you know, she's better than that. And the, um, and Lionel Richie's a, a, I mean, the guy's an incredible artist. I mean, the guy plays piano. And I feel so bad for him because the country guy, whose name I always forget, on that Luke show, Brian, I found Luke Brian. It in my Thank head. you. Yeah, I always call him Luke Perry, and I'm not being I'm not being an <laughs> asshole. I just don't remember his name. I never heard of this guy. But Luke Brian and Katie seem to have a like a. I think she. I don't think she likes talking to Lionel Richie at all. Like she turns her back to him. She's always doing shtick with the younger guy, Luke Brian. And and poor Lionel's trying to get in on the clowning around, and he's not real comfortable with it, and he starts moving and jumping up and down, and then 
And then they each try to get that moment where when a kid cries, they all jump up and go running over to them. It's like a they race. Want the, they want the kid. Yeah, it's a race. They want the camera time. Like, like, right. Like, like, like Lionel Richie goes, here, have my handkerchief. Lionel Richie's an old guy because he still carries a handkerchief instead of like a tissue. I guess, you know, I know I'm older. I, you know, a lot of times I have to blow my nose now because it's like, I don't know what happens. You get old and you get gross. So, but he, he's one of the old guys, real old school. Like my dad used to carry a handkerchief. Where you schnot it all day and then you bring it home to your wife and have her wash it with the rest of the clothes, her underpants and everything else. And I'm like, oh, gross. So Lionel Richie, as soon as a kid starts crying on American Idol, he gets up and he starts, young man, young man, let me hold you. Let me hug you. I, you know, these, these are successful artists. They don't want to hug anybody, especially some of these gross people who walk in on American Idol. Some of these people on American Idol, you know why they're not stars. They can sing. But, I mean, there was one guy last night, did not, never shaved. I mean, his fucking beard was down on the floor, and he's 25 years old. Looked like fucking Willie Nelson. That's right. They haven't been cleaned up yet. You and know, then when as the show goes yeah. along, they clean them up. Oh, uh, Robin. So, so, and then Lionel hands his, his he has a uh, black handkerchief, I guess it matches his clothing. And he's like, here, use my handkerchief. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's got his <laughs> schnot all over it. It's not a clean handkerchief. Because he's wiping his face and his nose with it every minute. And then the kid's like wiping his eyes with Lionel Richie's schnot. I'm, I'm like throwing. I mean, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> A little too much sharing on that show. Yeah. Well, they jump. I know we used to do this on America's Got Talent. Like I admit you get caught up in it. Sometimes a kid would start crying and I go, I better jump the fuck up there before Howie, because Howie bolts right to the stage as soon as someone starts crying. Young man, he'd go, young man, you've just changed your life. You know, it's the young man, you've just changed your life yeah, speech. Yeah, right. And and I got to admit, I got caught up in it. I was like, I want to give the young man, you've just changed your life speech. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've not changed anything, because name the last 10 fucking American Idol winners. Nobody's changed, you know. And then you have to, like, when somebody sings really well, then you have to look at the other judges because you're shocked that the person can sing. That's right. You can't believe that voice is coming out of them. All of that shit I hated about being a judge on America's Got Talent. I didn't want any of it. I didn't want any of it. I just wanted to be straightforward. Hey, you can't sing. Your act is tired. Or you're really talented. You're a good magician. You just haven't, you know, you haven't applied yourself, you lazy fuck. <laughs> That's really what I want to say on American Idol. Because here's the thing. I was, you know, I was thinking a lot about Kiss last night because they're coming in. Those two dudes, I'm talking about Paul, Paul Stanley, of course, and Gene Simmons. And really the original lineup, Ace Fraley and uh, Eric Carr. Those guys all sang. They all played instruments. They all wrote music. And... They played for every, they played every shithole. They fucking got record deals. They tanked. They kept at it. They worked their ass off. All these kids who walk in an American Idol, they all can sing. They all have beautiful voices, probably better than most rock stars. Uh, Peter Chris was the original drummer. Yeah. Thanks for the note. That's why I, I said, uh, Eric Carr. Uh. Um, um, but all of these kids who walk in, you're kind of just lazy assholes. They all have the same story. It's like, nobody never gonna gave me a break, anything. 
No one ever gave me. I'm like, well, douchebag, who do you think gets a break? No one. Maybe, I don't even know. Nobody never gave me the opportunity. You know, some kid walks in off a farm. Nobody ever, where I live, gave me a break at anything. And then the judge goes, well, that's what's great about American Idol. We get No, they're missing the point. There's a lot of fuckers out there who can sing. But there's very few fuckers who are willing to leave the farm and go to Nashville or Los Angeles or New York and work in dingy clubs and bust their hole, fucking writing every day and writing songs, getting rejection. They make their own breaks. They just make them. They go out and they work it. So, you know, some of these kids, you look at them, they're very slovenly uh, dressed and uh, they, 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 they don't have a look. They don't have, they don't have an attitude. They kind of, they're, they're kind of like sloths. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're schlubs and they want to sit at home and then get discovered on American Idol. Now it does happen. You got a few people, you know. It's great. Every time the kids walk in, there's a gigantic fucking picture of Carrie Underwood. Right. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's their, you know, Carrie Underwood and uh, and the other girl, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> Kelly uh, Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. They, you know, they've got two <laughs> giant pictures of them to remind them that it, by some fluke it happened for those two gals. You know. So, you know, some of these kids look like they climbed out of a swamp. <laughs> And then, and then right after American Idol, they go back to parking cars or whatever the fuck they did on the farm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but I watch American Idol because I love the whole, I love it, but I yell at the TV. I'm screaming. My, my wife goes to sleep. She, she's tired of me yelling at the TV. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the difference between a band like Kiss or the Stones or the Beatles or the, you know, these guys, they're working it. You can't sit on the farm and, and pray for miracles. You got to be willing yeah, to get your up and stuff. Came from different places, didn't they? They had to well, find I mean, each other. You had to look at my career. If you want to talk about hard work, nobody was looking for me. I couldn't get a job <laughs> in radio. I, I got rejected from every radio station I sent the tape to, except for the shittiest radio station in the country. Four dollars an hour. I worked at the shittiest radio. The fact that they put me on the air proves they were the shittiest radio station in America. Nobody was willing to put me on the air except this one little dinky radio station. And why did they want to put me on the air? Guy said, you're not good, but you, you look reliable and you have a short haircut. <laughs> that was the reason he hired me. He says, I'm sick of these hippies. They all come and they don't show up for the, the air shift. You look, you look like such a douche. I can tell you're desperate. You'll show up. But I did. I showed up every day. I worked at it for two years. And at the end of two years, after thousands of hours on the radio, I still sucked. I sent out tapes and no one would give me a job. Until I found another radio station that somehow gave me a job. And I kind of sucked there, too. And then I went to Detroit and I sucked there, too, and tanked. <laughs> oh, and when I, by the time I had sucked so bad for so many thousand hours, I finally had the epiphany. I said, you, I looked at myself in the mirror, you stupid fuck. You've chosen a career where you're going to have no money, no life. Your children are going to be hungry and you're a complete <laughs> douchebag. The next place you go, 
You are going to be desperate. You're going to be the man who pulled his pants down in front of the world. You're going to fuck with everybody. You're going to be the biggest asshole they ever heard on the radio. And you're going to be funny. I willed it. I said, this enough of losing. I'm tired of losing. I want to win. And we went to number one. Now, if I hadn't put in those thousands of hours of being a douche, I never could have gotten a number one. But that's if what you want to tell me. If they found you kids. on the couch and just tapped you. If I had lived in Roosevelt with my parents. <laughs> look at you. You will say you want to be ready. You're 30 years old. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Chew? He's 30 years old. And he's still not on the radio. No, you got to go out and work it. And I see these kids. They have no social skills. Some of them are embarrassing. The way they kiss ass, too. Some of them are like kind of... They're getting criticized and they go, thank you. They're so desperate to get on that show. You know, Gene and, um, and Paul and the rest of the band kiss... They got shit on by everyone. And eventually they said, we better put some fucking makeup on. <laughs> I know what we'll do. <laughs> I know we'll do anything. <laughs> Bowie's running around in a dress. Let's put some fucking makeup on and see if these assholes will listen. Well, you're going to hear the real story. Struggle. I'm excited to talk to those boys about what it's all about. You have to overcome some shit, you know. But uh, I watch the American Idol. I watch guy like Katy Perry. I, boy, I wonder if she took that pill that everyone in Hollywood is taking. Oh, Zampic, Zampic, whatever. Oh, Zampic. She is. I mean, va 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 voom with the big titties and the belly and the boo 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 boo. I bet you Orlando Bloom's happy, man. She got some rocking bod now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the Katy Perry I remember. Never mind this mommy stuff. You don't want to see mommy? I don't want mommy <laughs> Katy Perry. I want <laughs> Katy Perry who kissed a girl and fucking loved it. <laughs> but you, you look at, uh, you look at Kiss's struggle and I, and I'm, and these boys, I'm going to ask them about their struggle and you'll hear how they struggled. And uh, I'll tell you my, hey, I'll tell you my struggle. I was, I was two air checks away myself from wearing makeup on air. <laughs> on radio, you were going to put I am on radio. That's right, Robin. <laughs> I tried everything. <sighs> no one's willing to pay their dues these days. Everyone wants instant success. That's what they want. That's the TikTok generation. Well, let me tell you something. Kiss's first album only sold 75,000 copies. It was a failure. But they didn't quit. They didn't go back to the farm. They kept going. Played for anyone who would listen. Their first gig, I think it was three people showed up. I'm pretty sure. Three. Uh, what can I tell you? Hey, Corey, you're on in North Carolina. Good morning, guys. Hey, I played guitar for uh, 35 years, and just here in the last uh, probably two months, I've started going out doing open mics and things like that. And being 47 years old and seeing what these kids come out, 
looking like all that stuff and what they think gets over. It's completely different. That whole idea of getting up there, people throwing shit at you, then the next night you get up, do it again. Like, that's foreign to kids. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they I see on American Idol, they get up there, hey, Lionel, hi, Katie, I'm a big fan of yours. That's how they talk. And then I go, and they go gee, nothing, nothing like this ever happened to me. Of course nothing like that ever happened to you. It doesn't happen to anybody. You got to work for it. Nothing like this ever done happen to me. And I'm like, well, no, that's right, because you're a douche. You're sitting at home. And me too. Like, I've, I've started to go out and just start playing on street corners, and I said, I didn't realize that I had a superpower, like an X-Man. I strap on a guitar, go stand on the street, and I'm invisible all of a sudden. Oh. Yeah. All right, yeah, Corey, I don't want to hear you. They just Corey, you're depressing me. Thank you. Fucking sad the story music. there. All right, good. He's got the story for America's Got Talent. <laughs> he sure did. 45. Well, I didn't want to tell him. It's over. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> he just started going out. Yeah, well, there you go. There's a good idea. So by the time you're 60, you should be right up on stage. <laughs> um, by the way, I'm watching the news. And, you know, of course, there was a horrible tragedy uh, two weeks ago, a week ago. I don't know how long it was. The train derailment, train derailment. The one in but Ohio? The, the, the one in Ohio. The, but yeah. the, the, the thing that I love about the story is, I didn't know this. There's a fucking town out there named East Palestine. They say yes. Palestine. Now, it's probably East Palestine. But nobody in this country to be called Palestine. For Who a the while, fuck I knew? didn't know it had happened in America because they were saying. Me neither. I was like, <laughs> man, isn't that near Israel? Uh, you know, I, but anyway, there's an East Palestine and there's so, the announcers are like, meanwhile, in East Palestine. <laughs> and you think they're saying it wrong. Like, come on. Terrible name for a town. I would change it. There's nothing wrong. You know, a lot of people change their name. Why can't towns change their name? Why do they got to be East Palestine? Nobody they likes it. Horrible, can. horrible name for an American town. And every time I see it, I assume they're talking about the Middle East. And so I, you know, I'm like, eh, well, I'm not going to. But when it's in Ohio, I care. So. You, you know what their slogan is over there? What? We're Palestine, but without all them brown folks. <laughs> that's what it says on the license plate oh my i don't know maybe they do maybe they do a brown i don't know what, what's ohio is it racially integrated or is it still one of those lily white uh, well they have cities and they, uh, yeah. they have some right. industry and so they have a mix Listen, of robin. people and then there are the white areas <laughs> robin i haven't left the house in three years i don't know what's doing out there. <laughs> that is true you wouldn't know what any town looked like but i was shocked to east Palestine. That's like Frankenstein. You can't say East Palestine. You know, I'm thinking of going there just to see what. Oh, oh Ohio is 81% white. Okay, so that makes yeah. sense. And that means it's 20% uh, black or other. But um, you know where I have been? I've been to Rwanda, Illinois. Have you ever been there? No. Fabulous. I yeah, didn't know yeah. there was a Rwanda. Oh, Illinois. yeah. Rwanda, <laughs> Illinois. I, when I was in the military, we had a bivouac over there. Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah. Giant chemical spill. Horrible. 
meanwhile, I was thinking this is turning into like a real like superhero Spider-Man story. They, I'm watching this guy on the news. He's saying from the chemical spill, which is horrible, you know, especially it gets in the water and stuff. But this guy's claiming, I mean, maybe this is, they're breeding like whack packers or something. This guy's claiming his whole voice changed once the chemical spill. Really? Happened. He had a nice deep voice and now he's like high pitch Eric from the, of course, his luck. He didn't get Spider-Man skills. He got high pitch no. Eric's voice. I'm not kidding. Here, here's the guy on the news. No shit. It's just been like this ever since the train blew up. <laughs> Lately, I sound like Mickey Mouse. Yep. But, He's uh, got a deep, draspy voice normally. Other than that, I just go and get tested and get checked out. Well, what are they telling you? My doctor says I, I most definitely have the, the chemicals in me. No. But he has to find a toxologist to get properly... They keep telling me to come up here, but nobody has nothing. When you say nobody has anything, like, there are no doctors in town to be able to help you? No. That's what they tell me. They, I, gotta, I gotta make a phone call and, and schedule an appointment with somebody. Uh, he sounds, it sounds like for, Eric the Bagger. Er, yeah, little Eric the Bagger, <laughs> or whatever his name is, uh, Mark the Bagger. And Eric, and high pitch Eric. It's a, yeah, that, like yeah. he's Eric the was, bagger. Yes, he's Eric yeah. the bagger. It's, it's it a, a hybrid. little combination. Yeah, right. Yeah. Some of the guys on staff were like, maybe you know. I think because his wife was wearing a big giant Trump shirt, that uh, they were like, well, maybe he's faking it. You know, maybe maybe he wants to just get some money. I go, I don't know. That's a long way to go. But it would be, you know, if if I was involved in it, even if anybody did anything to me, I'm just going to go on the news and go. Hey, what's happening? Uh, look, I have a problem. Ever, ever since. Hold on. <laughs> ever since the spill, my um, oh whole voice changed. I'm not kidding. I got all fucked up in that chemical spill. So, so where the lawsuit at? But uh, now that guy's. Uh, I think that guy's for real. I do believe that. And, uh, if well, that's there the are a lot of people saying they've had skin irritations and stomach upset. Yeah. All kinds of things. But no superpowers, only like voice changing. Nobody's flown. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's that's what was great. Webs. That's what was great about Stan Lee. He sees something like that and he go, hmm, that's a comic book. Chemical spill, superpower. It was a very positive way to look at tragedy. You know, and our reality is uh, some fucking guy in China got some COVID on his shoe and got out of the library and caused a pandemic. Got out of a, a laboratory, rather, and, and caused a pandemic. In uh, Stan Lee's Marvel world, it's like, oh, some guy got some chemical on his shoe and guess someone got spider powers. Mm. Before, the, before the spill... I used to sound like this. And now after the spill. I sound like this. And this is bullshit. I'm still waiting for superpowers, you hear? I had a lucrative career as a radio announcer. And now I've turned into... Leprechaun Man. I have all the powers of a leprechaun. Robin, I'm going to turn you into a pot of gold. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
Kiss my ass. It's Leprechaun Man. I loved my beautiful deep voice. I was a mild-mannered radio announcer with a really good job. And then the chemical spill. And now I can find gold anywhere. <laughs> chemical spill changed my life. But with great power comes... Great responsibility. <laughs> Where's me lucky charms, you fucks? <laughs> Don't you laugh, Robin, or I'll turn you into a golden medal. And I'll do a dance on your tits. Kiss me, I'm Irish, you bitch. <laughs> I'll kick you're, you in the shins. You're a mean, you're a mean <laughs> superhero. Well, I don't like you. Fuck you. I'm not going to save <laughs> lives. I'm going to take what's mine. I've been waiting my whole life. Where's the nearest bar? <laughs> I miss my voice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, crazy story. The poor guy. I mean, the whole voice changed that's scary hey look who's on the phone high register shawnee i haven't heard from this guy in months oh, wow what, what do you what do you make of that chemical spill with the train you got any kind of conspiracy high register sean how are you uh it's shawnee thank you um the all of this uh, hi, hi, right high register shawnee i'm sorry that's right i you pretty yeah, uh, high register shawnee just Shawnee. Uh, I was. Uh, what, I registered what, what, what just I've Shawnee. To you, <laughs> what I've been saying to you uh, all, all, all along is this pop, 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 power grab. It's it's all about money. It's all about pop, power and control. So you think the train derailment wasn't a derailment at all? It was done intentionally as a power grab. Well, hey, 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 hey look, look around. We have. We have trains go going all, all, all off the tracks at, at a f phenomenal rate. We got uh, fa factories burning, uh, food plants on fire. Um, it, it's a little, uh, it's, sorry to say, it, it's looking a little cataclysmic, don't, don't you think? Do, 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 I, gotta, I was like, do, 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 <laughs> do you... Um, so who do you think's behind it? I, I love conspiracy theory, guys. You know that because it, it's just a train derailment to me. It, in other words, something bad happened well, probably from deregulation. Well, he all the other train derailments, and he all tied them together. All together, yes. So, well, to, in other words, who is behind it? Who's the guy or group of people? Is it that um, Illuminati? Who is it? Yes, it's 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 the New World Order, the shadow government that. Uh, ultimate, their ultimate goal is one world bank, uh, one, one, one world go, go, government. That's, that's what their plan has been all along. You know what I love about you? Like, the, you know, yeah. you're, you're making some heavy accusations and like really dark things, but when you do it in that voice, it's the fucking greatest. What about you, Sean? <laughs> did you grow up near, did, did, were you involved in a uh, chemical spill? Is that how you got your voice? Uh, that would make for a better storm story, but no, I was probably. I believe that guy. My head. 
I believe that guy got a, a weird voice change from those chemicals. That I do believe. I believe him. I can believe that. I can believe yeah. that. Yeah, well, well, you have no I credibility. Believe anything, Shawnee. <laughs> yeah, you believe the Earth is flat. Do you believe? Believe everything. Do you believe the Earth is flat? Uh no, I'm 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 not into that scene. Okay, so, but so why does that theory exist? Like, who makes money off of peddling that nonsense that the Earth is flat? I'm I'm really not sure. Uh, I mean, if you watch. There was a documentary with a with a flat earther proves that the Earth's round. I mean, he, oh. he proves it in his own experiment, and then he's all sad at the end of the of the film. It's insane. What do you think was going on with that Chinese uh, balloon? Do you think that that was um, a bullshit story? That it's really aliens have visited the Earth? Uh, in in this case, no. I I think that there there, there are regressions uh, of China over the U, 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 United States. Uh, the R Russia and China are in bed to get 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 together, and I think that um, it was a test to see how quickly we shot it down, uh, which which obviously was a fail by the U, 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 U.S. government because it got all the way across the the the, 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 the country. Um, and I think that the next ones are going to be containing nukes that, um, they're going to de de detonate high altitude and rain down an e e EMP. Uh, I zoned out. Did you, Robin? Yeah, I, it's ridiculous, yeah. uh, that, you know, he's going into now the next ones will be nuclear. Who's he talking to? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I missed high register Sean and his conspiracy theories. Wolfie, you've been talking to high register Sean. What's going on here? And do you know about, do you, what, is there anything I should be uh, talking to him about? Like something new that you heard? Well, is he still off, into dogmen, by the way? How, yes. Howard? I, I was going to say, first thing, he, he scared me with that, that nukes being attached to the balloons. I hadn't even thought of that. So that, that did scare me. But his big, his big theory is that since Trump declassified all these UFO documents, that there's a lot more reported sightings of UFO, UFOs, reporting of dogmen, that th this stuff is out there. And now people are, are free to share it. Hmm. Well, that's fucking weird. So what about Lepre do you want to meet Leprechaun Man, the new superhero? No, no, that's, <laughs> I, no. I, I don't uh, that's, Hi, Sean. have time for that. Sean, no, it's me, cool. Leprechaun Man. It's ridiculous. No. You're not going to believe what happened to me. I was near the train derailment, and I oh, turned into a leprechaun. Give <laughs> you a pot of gold. This is ridiculous. I don't have time for this. It's ridiculous. He doesn't have time. I love Sean, what are you busy with? What do you mean you don't have time for this? He's Sean says he is that what he's a been lot of time researching conspiracies. He does a lot, a lot of research. So he hasn't been on the air with us because he's doing a deep dive on research and he came out with some new theories. What did you what's the what did you learn when you were researching? What is the top thing you learned? Uh, well, you, Howard, you remember a, a few months ago they were talk, 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 talking about the core of the Earth slowing down. Yes, man, man yep. remember that in the news. Well, that, <laughs> no, that, I don't. That, but OK, thing. yeah, I remember <laughs> that. That's a real thing. Uh, okay. If, if the if, if it completely stops, uh, kiss it all, 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 all goodbye. All my preparations are all for nothing. 
So right. In other words, the whole planet would, uh, would 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 be over. That would be the end of it. It would be tidal waves twenty miles high. I mean, you can't survive that. Excuse me, Sean. One minute. This is Leprechaun Man. Come on, just for a second. Why? Why don't you believe in me, but you believe in Dog Man? You know what I mean? There's not that big a stretch between Leprechaun Man and Dog Man. You don't believe in leprechauns? No. No. Well, hey, here I am, dude. Living proof. Come on. I'm not cutting any shit. You believe in dogmen? I'm a leprechaun man. That's it. Bottom line, dude. Let's Sean go to a bar he together. Did, he did what? spot a dogman in his backyard when he was burning trash. When did was he this? Did get a picture? No. <laughs> I, I, I've sent, I've sent p- p- pictures to, to the other show one time of what I suspected. Yeah, but, but, but Sean, you know those were bad pictures. Those were bad pictures. There was nothing to well, it. They could have been anything. Okay. Anything you it's said a, they were. It's, a, it's at nighttime. Uh, you, you know, you're not, not, not going to get a good, a good, a good, a good picture. Infrared, dude. Infrared. Well, what I had at the time was an iPhone 8, I think. Why do you burn your trash? What are you doing at night yeah, burning no, your no, trash? No, 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 no. I was burning yard, yard like yard waste, like, like um, trees, branches and things, not, not garbage. I think in New York that's against the law. Because of well, the I don't live in New York. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying they should outlaw that. What, <laughs> these, all these assholes used to sit in their yard and burn their leaves. I remember they had big garbage pails with metal holes, you know, but the metal garbage pails with holes in them. And finally, someone said, I think they're fucking polluting the whole place. The place stunk. I think oh, they made goodness. it against the law. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, telling you. You got to take every last joy. How you doing? Uh, I know you were having a rough time in your marriage. Uh, you know, your wife had like had it with you and your conspiracy theories. You still married, or I haven't spoken to you in so long. How's your love life? Oh, my love life is fine. Let's let's just. Uh, I do want to say uh, you getting laid. Uh, our, I want to say our R.I.P. to uh, Fred the Elephant Boy. That that was very right. bad news. Do you think Fred he, the he Elephant Boy died? Uh, natural causes, or do you think it was a uh, like something bad must have happened, like the government tried to silence him? I don't know. We 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 we, we didn't talk 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 a lot at the end. I didn't even know 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 know, know how, how how badly sick he was. I can't imagine a conversation between you two. I wish I had taped that. Yeah. It must have been awesome. You know, <laughs> I used to I used to do this in Sunday. <laughs> it must have been crazy when you two got on the phone it, it would take a long time yeah i don't have the patience uh but man so oh so you're still married uh yeah what's going on with him and is he married or not we we did not get into his love life, so that this I would be breaking news. No, I can't really discuss, discuss anything, oh, anything in that in that front. The moment you getting laid? I'm a dog. I would. I do what I got to do. Right. I heard uh, a rumor that your wife left you for Dog Man. No, oh, come on. <laughs> she fell in love with him in the woods. This <laughs> is. I want his wife. I'm Leprechaun Man. I'm going to get your wife. I'm not kidding. Is that that all we have now? 
Oh, Leprechaun yeah, Man? Leprechaun Man, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm a Leprechaun Man, and I want to be recognized in your world of conspiracies. Hey, Sean, I, I think Howard might be interested in that, that theory we were discussing about Bigfoot being an interdimensional time traveler. I know you have details on that. All right, I'm interested. That I am interested in. You know, there's been the legend of Bigfoot throughout the centuries. Correct. Sean, what has your research led you to? Well, okay, so this is right, quickly. Well, I mean, quickly. how much time you got? <laughs> uh, like a, like a thirty seconds. Just, I mean, what what are you saying? That Bigfoot is a. Now let me uh, let me sum Bigfoot it up. Bigfoot is real, and he Bigfoot travels is real. In time. Is that Not what your time. research? D dimen dimensional there's there's dimensional there's there's a a a evidence to suggest that uh, that that the sasquatch uh has ma ma mastered interdimensional po 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 portals um and that is that interlinks with uh, the, the the numbers, the clusters of mi I am so insulted in national, that you na na believe in, in Bigfoot, but you won't talk to me, Leprechaun Man. Like, I'm a bullshit thing, and and inter interdimensional travel is real? Well, if you listen to D David P P P P Pilates and his... Mi 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 David Pilates? The exercise guy? Pilates. Pilates. Oh, Pilates. I don't do Pilates. I do Pilates. I'm Leprechaun Man. I have to stay in shape. <laughs> hey, Sean, what about my buddy, the Loch Ness Monster? Uh, I know well, him. We'll find it. You know, it, it, I, I always laugh because everybody thinks, Whoa. oh, well, that's extinct. It doesn't exist or whatever. I'm on a roller we're constantly finding, we're caught, finally caught finding, we're constantly finding. New spe spe species or spe species that were, were, were thought to be extinct. That you can't tell me at the depths of the largeness. You know why I get upset with you, Sean? I get upset what? with you because, like, the other day I'm reading that there's only two white rhino left in the world. Yeah. There's something you should devote your life to, not to make believe and dogmen and, uh, and and wacky uh, conspiracy theory. In other words, aren't there why enough? Don't you why not? Why don't you become a great researcher of that? Something that you can believe in—the white rhino. That would take time, doing that. Howard. Oh, that would actually take action. <laughs> if, if 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 there's two if there's two if, if there's two 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 victims of a car and then everyone helps the first one and nobody what's helps. What's he saying, Wolfie? You're a you're a high register Sean Whisperer. What's going on here now? I'm off the. I think I'm he's just the saying there, there there's two perspectives on certain situations, and and some people just buy the the thing that the media pushes. But Sean, all right, he's digging deep. Sean, let me let me ask you a quiz. I just want to. I don't no think answer. he said what Wolfie said. At all. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfie, I don't now know. We Wolfie. have two theories on that. <laughs> Sean, it's amazing. You said answer. a lot, and yet nobody knows what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> Sean. Yeah. Werewolves, real or fake? Just give me one word answer. Werewolves are fake. Yeah, are fake. Dogmen, real or fake? Dogmen, real or fake? Real. Real. Abominable, abominable, abominable <laughs> snowman, real <laughs> or fake? Well, if you're talking about the ye ye Yeti, then it's Yeti. real. Yeah. Real. Zombies, real or fake? Not yet. Not really. And do you believe that the ants are going to turn us into zombies when we get the fungus? Uh, 
<laughs> you do. That's you silly. Believe- oh, silly. No. That's that's real. <laughs> Even I believe that. No, I, I know. I, I know it's a real thing in, in, in insects. Uh, but the, the the human brain is, I mean, millions times more, more complex than the brain brain of an animal. I believe you. All not right, yours. Fine. Not yours. Uh, no. Come vampires, on. real or fake? <laughs> Robin, I have a, a 140. What, what, what an IQ, so please. Okay. All right. <laughs> Vampires, real or fake? Yeah, that's also Hollywood. That's Ghosts, real or fake? Real. Really? Yeah. Shapeshifters, you real or shapeshifters? You don't, you don't think that someone's energy no. after they die could be trapped no. in this plane? I'm, oh, I'm a, if you listen to the interview with Dr. Agus yesterday, I believe what he believes. You die and that's it. You're done. Dude, okay. This is okay. it. That's what that's I believe. Fine. I don't need to convince I've you. I've done my that. research. I researched but why you know would ghosts be Hollywood? Let's Zombies go to. are Hollywood. Vampires are Hollywood. Ghosts are real. All right, let me ask you yeah. one here. Here's a here's here's a, a here's a conspiracy theory. Is Michelle yeah. Obama a man? I don't know. Oh, but you I read don't these know. things. The, the you know the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> that's what, what they are researching? Say. Well, yeah, what yeah, are you that's, busy? That's, You're busy that's, researching that's, uh, that's, uh, that's zombies. Silly. That, that's nonsense. <laughs> that's silly. Yeah, I don't care about that. Oh, okay. It's hard to know what you give a fuck about. Did we land on the moon as a as a uh, as a country? <laughs> no. Oh boy! Oh. Did we land on the moon? No. Wow. Why would you say that? Is there an Are international it? space station? No. Listen. Oh. The 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 moon. It, 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 Stanley Kubrick filled it for them. It's obvious. I mean, it's written. It's word of mouth. Everyone, it's... We never landed on the moon. What about 9-11? Inside job? Was it set up by the government, or was it actually Osama bin Laden planning? Oh, that one is so deep. It's so... I used to think... There's no way it, it, it could be or 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 orchestrated until I watched the uh, the film about all the all the uh, what do you call it? Right, never mind. I don't care. Is five G okay. being used to control people? Yeah, you know, it's it, 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 it's not completely yet. But if you if you look at the uh, if like Project Blue Blue, Blue Beam. It's coming for us all. <laughs> Holocaust, real or fake? I think that was real. Here's Adam from Pennsylvania. He has a request. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Howard. I was wondering if you could get Sean to say WNBC like 10 times in a row. I That's pretty good because I, I remember I used to have to train to say WNBC, but I think Sean. I think he's going to be a natural. Me too. Okay, good question. Thank you. Uh, Sean, would you mind saying WNBC? What? What? Just say WNBC. Why? Because I want to see if you say it the right way. A little insulting, no? A little no. bit, but not that much. 
<laughs> well, why not say no? <laughs> I've been way more insulting than that. <laughs> Try it. Yeah, you, you're a natural. Pretty good. good. Yeah. Well, Sean, I have missed uh, hearing from you. I love the conspiracy theories. What about the Holocaust, real or fake? We just we just went over this. No, go over it again. I missed it. I was too busy thinking about. Uh... I, I I said real. Real. Okay. Good. All right. Then we. How about uh, chemtrails? Chemtrails. Uh huh. Well, may, may, may I remember <laughs> last week there was a, a mysterious powder falling down over Delaware. And and Maryland. What's chemtrails, Wolfie? So you know when you see a plane up in the sky and there's there's yeah. long trails behind. Sean thinks that that's Sometimes. dropping po- poison on us. The chemtrails. Oh. Well, it's a, it might be right have, on that. Have to be po- poison. Doesn't have to be po- po- poison, but it's, Sean, it, it's government agency. Yes. Is Hillary Clinton a, a part lizard? Uh, she's all disgusting. Oh, wow. What's in the vaccine? <laughs> oh. oh, good one, Robin. Where you get that, Robin? <laughs> What's in blood, the vaccine? Blood clotting agents and mind control orbs. What? 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 What, what do you want? Uh, you don't want to know what's in it. What you think is in it? You, you never got devices. it. I had an you... incident. I had an incident, and I was forced to take the initial vaccine. Mm. How many times have you had COVID? Uh, once. Yeah, but you were and vaccinated. I had I had, no, I took COVID before I got vaccinated. And what? after I got after the original, he got COVID, and the first, then he got vaccinated. Afterwards. I only took yeah. the first. I only took the fir- first dose, but since then I've been having problems with blood blood clots. Hmm. I like that. Is Stevie Wonder really blind? I don't care. You don't care about that. Yeah. One? All right. I'm just no. trying to think of different. Is Is Doctor Fauci a bad person? Uh, he he he's a pop 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 at being uh, led on the string. It's, I don't know. I guess he is for, for being allowed to be manipulated the way that he was. And now he's saying Courtney it, is from Pennsylvania. He says uh, that. Uh, what, what do you want to say? Courtney, Why not behind- Pennsylvania? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he clearly is a dog man. He howls every third word. <laughs> Listen to him. He is a Bye. dog man. Bye, dipshit. Take a self-portrait. Send the picture in. All right. Courtney claims oh you are Courtney has is a conspiracy theorist who believes that high register Shawnee is a um, a dog man himself and is hiding with that. Sean, tell uh, tell Howard what Bill Gates has been up to. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, uh, part part of the part of the elite class, um, Bill Gates has been buy, buying up farms uh, around the country and. I guess a few around around the globe as well. Why is a com- com- computer ge- genius conglomerate buying farms? Well, what, what's, that interesting? Don't a lot of wealthy dudes buy a property as an investment? 
but specifically farms to control troll, troll the food and the price 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 point of our, of our of our oh. lives. You really think that's what he's up to? You like like he's got enough money. I don't think he has to really. He doesn't give a shit about controlling our food. Uh, as the kids say, Howard, uh, Bill Gates is hell of stuff. Bill Gates. What, what? do the kids say? <laughs> what do these dumb kids hella, say? Hell of stuff. He's he, 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 he suspect of the highest he's suspect. O- 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 order. Oh, yeah, stuff. I see. And what's Jeff Bezos up to with those space missions? What's he really doing? Have you seen seen seen, seen the movie Don't Look Up? No. Okay, it's an excellent film. Um, it, it was meant, meant kind of as a joke, but it's actually really, really, um, boy, it's good. Um, Bezos's pop 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 power is going to be coming into play uh, very soon uh, in in our world uh, on a on a, in a government scale. He's also one of the elites. Is Jeff Bezos trying to make fake snow? I don't know about that. Well, I'm I'm researching that right now. Actually. Yeah, I mean, we just had a bunch of snow. Was it real or fake? <laughs> no, that that was Jeff Bezos's rocket ship creating that snow. I know it. That I know. That I know. He was ski resorts make fake fake, fake snow all, all the time. What the difference? <laughs> Jennifer wants to talk to you in Georgia. Go ahead, Jennifer, real quick. I'll we'll get off. I we'll get off this topic. Go ahead, Jennifer. Okay, so I'm listening to Sean talk about his blood clot that he got from the vaccine. Perhaps, Sean, you got blood clots from having COVID because there is lots of evidence that people who have had COVID, especially if you're unvaxxed, have increased blood clots. Oh, that can't be. That would be boring. No, it and, couldn't and have true. been the COVID. No. <laughs> <laughs> then no one would be out to get them. Heck no. Come on, right. Sean. I'm, I'm, I didn't, I'm, all I'm saying is that I, I had COVID, I had a, a year after that, no no, no, no problems, as soon as I was forced to get this, this stupid shot, I started getting blood, blood, blood clots right away, immediately. Almost. All right, well, there you go. There's a high register, Sean has thoughts on everything. Let's see, Nick says he has a question in North Carolina. Go ahead, Nick. Hey, Sean, what's going on with Justin Bieber? All right. It's what, a good, good day, Howard. Thank you. What? <laughs> what's going on? He just hung up. Oh, that's right. You're not, yeah, you're not allowed to say Justin Bieber. talk about Justin Bieber. Yeah. Wow. What is that? Why can't he talk about Justin Bieber? He, he feels he the same thing that, last time. Yeah, yeah Justin, I forgot about that. Yeah, like Justin Bieber. If you mention his name, the the people come to get you. That that you'll just disappear. So he doesn't <laughs> mess around with that. In other words, Justin Bieber's in on all the conspiracies, and you're not like even- Illuminati level. Like he's he, you don't you don't mention that name ever. Now, did you? We you know he's gone, but you know they were saying after the Super Bowl that Rihanna gave the Illuminati symbol. During her concert. <laughs> Did yeah, she? He, he, wow. He, yeah, he, I, I heard that too. Sean didn't mention that to me. but He uh, didn't I'm mention sh- it? I'm sure he has a oh. theory about it. <laughs> wow. I don't know how we got on this uh, talking about East Palestine. <laughs> <laughs>
It just reminds well, me of I'm young sure Frankenstein. It fits into some of these theories people have. Yeah. Of it, it just what reminds the me of elites you, are doing. It reminds me of young Frankenstein where they go, it's not Frankenstein, it's Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> I love that. It's so great. There's a. Uh, did Jimmy Carter die or is he still alive? Because I was watching the no, news. No, he's in hospice a... and oh, okay. he's surrounded by his family. Where's the last thing I heard? I got you. All right. Oh, listen to this. There's one last thing I want to mention, then we got to take a break. So um, I didn't know about this. The guys told me about it this morning when we had our little meeting. But Prince Harry, that dude, he's doing now a pay-per-view with a trauma expert and he wants to broadcast this thing on pay-per-view where i guess the trauma expert interviews him and works with him on it and you know it dawned on me prince harry must really need money like like i thought that he i but but what do you mean of course like i thought that he had some dough from the royal family even though he, he booted gets out. something from diana's estate uh there may be something in the queen's estate and his father has not completely cut him off from what i understand but you know when you have all those royal duties and you're a working royal i think a lot more money rolls in how fucking weird is it going to be when this dude finally wakes up and says, why did I marry this? What, what did I do? I mean, now he's going to go on pay-per-view and be interviewed by a trauma expert. Is that real? I, I, I thought the guys were goofing on me. It says it's $33.09 and you can tune in to watch uh, Prince cent. Harry. Okay. Yeah, nine cents. <laughs> nine cents is uh, 33 and nine cents. That's too much. <laughs> it, it must be because he's British. They, they must have some weird thing on money. $33.09. I'm like, well, fuck you. First of all, I, where am I going? Nine cents. Just, get, just either make it 33 or 34. Don't bust my balls. <laughs> Absolutely. 33 and a shilling, friend. And you can watch me with my therapist. First of all, what therapist is busy doing that with him? But Okay. Like, he's, this is his rock bottom. I mean, he's got to stop. Well, I wondered how he was going to turn this into a recurring thing. And this seems to be the way. Because we said now he's done several interviews. He's done <laughs> a book. And then he did the Netflix series. What how, about? What else can you do? He could appear with me, Leprechaun Man. <laughs> I mean... What about putting this on Broadway? Maybe that would be true. He could sing and could talk sing to his therapist. To, yeah, uh, his therapist about his trauma. I won't grow up. I don't <laughs> want to. Can I please, sir? Can I have some more? You know, I was thinking, I'm going to contact him. I got ideas for this kid. As long as he's into, like, really getting well, himself out Well, somebody should, because these ideas all stem from the same pool. Yeah, he's, he's got to do something out. new. What yeah. do you think about this? A pay-per-view, Prince Harry gets a colonoscopy, and we get to see his insides. Like, we actually can see his asshole up close. Yes. Poor guy. You know, this all stems from uh, his mom dying young and that the, the seedy way in which it all went down and the, her mistreatment by that fucking royal family. I'm telling you, the kids, the kids screaming out for, like, please, put me on pay-per-view and let me talk about my pain, but... I don't know. But the colonoscopy or 
What about like charging people to watch him get a dental cleaning <laughs> and a visit to his dentist? Would you pay for that? Like twelve, twelve to twelve dollars and five cents. How's that? <laughs> five cents. Five cents. Um. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Prince Harry audiobook. Who's oh. pissed off that I'm talking? You are yes, a I'm. massive cunt. Stop talking shit about me. Prince Harry, I'm not talking shit. I think you need guidance. Oh, I'd like to bust a nut all over your hair. I'd like to give you a good kick in the balls. Prince Harry, I was thinking about you. Instead of going on with your therapist on pay-per-view, why don't you just get a mole removed by your dermatologist and we'll watch that. You fucking wanker. You can eat my royal shit. You are a baseball and apple pie loving American fuck. Hey, dude, I haven't called you a bad word. I'm just telling you, you're going to the well too many times. Yes, darling boy. I have no problem with the beautiful Robin Quivers. <laughs> well, no one, has a, no one has a problem with Robin <laughs> Quivers. She's fucking yes, darling hot. Boy. Yeah. Well, and nah, stop nah, calling. You've got a tiny little wanker. Yeah. So, at least I admit it. How big's your cock? How would you like a fist up your ass? Try it. See what happens. Fuck off. Fuck you. Cunt. Bitch. Very angry. Very belligerent. Fuck you. Maybe we do need to hear a session. Cunt. <laughs> Hello there, Robin. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck you. You know what? I think here's a theory. You're really pissed off at your wife and you're taking it out on me this morning. Keep my wife's name out of your ugly fucking Yankee <laughs> mouth. I dare I say I'm going to call you a pussy whip bastard. You're a bitch. You're just hey, jealous. Dude. Your nose is bigger than Big Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah? You're, t you're a tea-drinking twat. No. No? No, darling boy. No. Don't call me darling boy. You're feminizing me. And I'm a macho no. guy. My audience thinks I'm very macho, except for my small penis. I see. I hate you. Hate whoever you want, dude. I was just trying to what? help you. You heard me. What? Crumpet eating shithead. What? what? I mean, uh, good luck. Hey, dude. Sluts. I feel bad for you. Up. You lost your mother at a young age and everything. I'm just trying to help you, all right? That's bullshit. You can eat my royal shit. Okay, Fuck you. dude. Fuck you. Robin, Fuck I gotta you. get out of it. Fuck I you. I know. I mean, this is the yes, stupidest argument. All right. I got, dude, I gotta go, man. I got, I got Fuck piss off. coming. <laughs> All right. Fuck go you. Eat, Goodbye. Go, go, go eat a scone, fuckface. Fuck yes. <laughs> okay. All right. That was, uh, Prince Harry audiobook. <laughs> Prince Harry audiobook. He uh, came on real strong. And I wasn't, I didn't mean any disrespect. I like the kid. I'm trying to help yeah, him. Yeah, you're trying to give him some constructive advice. And right. he's just not open to any advice. Uh, Ryan, you're on the air in New Jersey. Go ahead. Hey now, Howard. Hey now. Um, thank you very much for uh, having Dr. Agus on. He's essentially America's doctor. And uh, first off, I really wanted to know how many hugs you got this morning from Beth. You know, it's a funny thing you bring that up. 
my wife was listening to Dr. Agus yesterday when we had him on. And she said, you know, I've got to start hugging you more. And I said, you have to start hugging me. I mean, even once a day, you know, you don't hug me. She goes, well, I'm going to start hugging you. But it hasn't happened yet. I haven't gotten a hug. Oh, but she, she's preparing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when this hugging's going. Because my, my wife is not a hugger. It's weird. Like, I'm very physical. When I'm in love, I mean, I love hugging, kissing, the whole fucking deal. <laughs> all that nonsense. Uh-huh. But she doesn't go for that nonsense. She does. And I, I said, know. Dr. Rager says it's important. So you don't kiss every time you leave the house? And- no, we do. We kiss. Yeah. But I want to do full make out. You know, oh, she's I like, see. you want to uh, make uh, out before you leave. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like I want to make out as much. As I like making out. <laughs> but I always say to my wife, I go, you remember when, when I first met my wife, like within the first two weeks of the relationship, I remember I went over to her apartment. And she put on some music, and we don't agree on musical taste. She she was into this fucking band. I, I mean, I never heard of such horrible music. <laughs> you know, it was wimpy. It was uh, what the hell was it again? You don't remember? It was what like it was. it was like a two names, someone and someone, like a Simon and Garfunkel, but not good. Like a, not like, Simon I didn't, and Garfunkel, right? I forget who it was. She puts it on, and I said, "Hey, I want." Um, Thank you. I just got a note. Bell and Sebastian. That's who it was. Oh, never heard of them. Me neither. But she put it on, <laughs> and it was like, uh, I, and I remember, we started dancing in her apartment. When I say dance, I mean, you know, me moving in slow. And we made out. And I said, you remember when I was in your apartment making out with you and we were dancing? She goes, yeah, I remember that. I go, I like that. I want to do that again. She goes, we did that already. So... uh <laughs> But I definitely am a guy who needs a few hugs. Uh, I think we all who need a, need a few hugs. Well, you know, Doctor Agus said do. we're we're hug deprived. Yeah, but I don't know. So Beth claims she's going to start hugging me more, but I I haven't seen any evidence of it. At least not yesterday. I got nothing. And you know, Doctor Agus said that hugging your pet counts, and Beth hugs those cats all day. So you know what I did for myself yesterday? I went yes. over to my cat Helen. I picked her up. I hugged her. If it's going to help me live longer and a better quality life, I'll do it. And I was sitting there. We had a good time together. Do you, do you so that's think what Dr. I did. Agus is getting more? Do you think he's getting more oxytocin from his dog? The way he talked about his dog. Than oh, his dog? Yes. Well, if you read his book, the dedication, the front dedication is to his dog, and he thanks his dog for all the oxytocin. Well, I'm looking so, forward to picking it up on, on March 7th. The, uh, Hatton, yep. We know you're a great interview, Howard. I'm channeling my inner Gary by flying out to Denver uh, tonight to see Bruce Springsteen tomorrow. But <laughs> having having Dr. Agus on truly, truly saved lives. I mean, he was the only guy that I really gave a damn about what he had to say during COVID when he was on yeah. I love the guy. I love the guy. He's a real researcher. He loves science. You heard him, and uh, he's been and terrific. Did you make a plan to start going out, or are you just going to have yet another conversation with him and not do anything? Now you know what, Robin. Now I'm seriously thinking about it. Leave my house. So uh, seriously thinking about. Yeah, I'm in a very serious manner. So uh, <laughs> any day now, I'll be out. Oh boy. Yeah. 
I but, think uh, you're going to need a shove. You're going to have, you know, you're I like know. that guy who doesn't want to jump out of the plane. <laughs> well, everywhere I go, I test everyone. And now it's like you're saying, now I'm going to go everywhere and not test everyone. So I, it's, a, it's a lot. Yes, me, you have to let go of that. Everyone needs to be tested around me or wearing a mask thing. Because as he said, you're well protected. I was shocked. I uh, was telling a friend of mine who's a doctor. I said, Dr. Regis said 95% of the people have had COVID. 95%. Did he say that or am I making that up? Or the vaccine. You know, like have vaccinated, right. oh. been vaccinated or had COVID. Okay. Glad you cleared that up because I was like, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, I, I quoted the wrong thing. But, um, yeah, no, I, I love Dr. Regis. I truly do. I think he did such a good thing yesterday. And uh, I'm going to try and get eight hugs a day for 20 seconds each. That's what he said. That's a lot of hugs. He, he's now not having to masturbate so much so he can get some hugs. Yeah, my wife was listening to that whole thing about uh, all the shit I jerk off to to keep my prostate healthy. And she goes, I guess you don't have to jerk off so much more. And I, was like, uh, I said, oh, that's for an act. And I never jerk off. That's all on the air. It's embarrassing. Listen, I, t I said to my wife, if you want to fuck me 27 times a month, I'm down for it. Let's go. <laughs> she thinks I'm oversexed. I'm sexed up. But uh, we need we need to be hugged. That's it. Hey, so. Uh, well, he said you think you're asocial. You're not. You need it. I was pretty tired after the show yesterday, but uh, I sang my new song. We we went in studio. When you're a recording artist, that's what it's called. We go in studio. <laughs> and uh, I was singing my new song, Metamucil Man, with my band. I had Richard Christie in there and uh, Steve Nowicki. And, uh, uh -huh. uh, who wrote the lyrics? Listen, uh, the band is the band. We all take credit for everything. We don't. I see. Yeah. You don't differentiate. No. Yeah. No, it's not like, you know, we're not jerks. <laughs> we throw each other a, a little taste for the publishing. I see. But uh, we had a great session. And it's hard work. I mean, you know, it's hard to be that uninhibited. You know, I'm a little uptight singing, but the way I said to the boys, I said, that was a good, I said, you know, I said, it's funny you mentioned the lyrics. I said, God wrote the lyrics and, and passed them on to us because it's such a brilliant song. Metamucil Man, about my love of Metamucil. So we're pretty confident it's a hit song, but you never know. You'll see when we talk to Kiss later on, the ones you think are going to be hits are hits. Sometimes they're misses. And then the ones you think that are misses, they're going to be hits. You don't know. We'll see how the public likes it, but... Sometime uh, soon, we will be debuting the song. Okay, it's Man. not today. Because I don't want to eclipse no. Kiss. No, no, no. I wouldn't do it on the same day as Kiss. <laughs> I don't want to fuck him up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, you know, when I was singing, I was thinking, I, I, for some reason, I was thinking of George Harrison. I, I was watching a clip for inspiration when I was singing. George Harrison was at that concert for, I think it was the concert for Bangladesh where uh -huh. they were doing uh, Wah Wah Isn't It a Pity, you know, from All yeah. Things Must Pass. And I went, geez, that guy, the Beatles were unbelievable. I mean, John, Paul, we they're legends. 
But fucking George was sitting there with a a, a treasure trove of music that he couldn't even get on a yeah, Beatles album. Yeah, he couldn't album. get their attention. He couldn't get them to listen to what he was doing. But how could they? I'm talking about the Beatles now. How could a group of guys be responsible for that many hit songs? It seems almost impossible. It's um, how could each of them have created solo and as a band so many good fucking songs? I mean, I was watching. I wish I had the live version, but this song, this is from George Harrison. It's such a great song. Not as good as Metamucilman, but I love this. I love when he does it live. He had a... Um, a group of women behind him going wah wah and it was uh -huh. just so good they were really into it background singers I just love that and that's George he was like the shitty beetle and he was like brilliant genius what are the odds that four geniuses are all born in Liverpool and they meet up and they and they come up with that many good songs, love songs, and then evolve into Sgt. Pepper's Abbey Road. And then this guy goes off on his own and comes up with this. Eric Clapton's on guitar, Billy Preston's on keyboard, Ringo's drumming on Wah Wah. That's it. And George. Fucking brilliant. Like that, like the whole Seattle scene, uh, you know, yeah. in the 90s that created all those amazing bands, amazing music. And then I'm watching American Idol, and these kids are like, I don't get any breaks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> go write a song, dude. You'll get a break. What are you going to do? I wonder when I was looking at Katy Perry with that weight loss, I was like, hey, hey John, what's up? Hey, Howard, it's some, uh, an interesting fact I just read about Wawa. Do you remember in the, the Beatles special we watched where they were creating Let It Be and all that stuff? And George leaves, like he just walks out for a couple yep. of days. He wrote Wawa the day he walked out on the Beatles <laughs> doing Let It Be. That's when he wrote it. Wow. So was the song about the walking out? Like, in other words, he was tired of their crying and Wawa was the crying noise, you I think? I think it, that was implied that, yeah, everybody, you know, he was all pissed off about what was going on and how everyone was whining. And so he wrote and you that know, song. You know how Wawa goes into Isn't It a Pity? Yeah. Uh, do you think that's part of the sentiment? Do you think he wrote that the same day also that he left the Beatles? I'll check that. I do know he said his quote is... You know, what's the point of this? I can be on my own. I don't need to be around all this crying. And, and that's wow. how Wawa came out. Coming at you, isn't it a pity? I got a feeling Wawa and isn't it a pity is all about that whole Beatles thing. That same era. That same yeah. moment in time. Same moment in time, yeah. But, you know, go come up with this. Isn't it a pity? George Harrison, man. I remember buying this album. Isn't it a shame? 
And it was expensive. It was three albums in a big box set. And I'm like, what the fuck? But it was so good, except for that one side. They, they filled up one side with, what was it called? Apple Jam? Yeah. Yeah. That was nonsense. I was a little ripped off on that one, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was three, uh, three yeah. albums. Come on, Howard. There's a lot of good songs. <laughs> so they wrote, they wrote, he wrote Isn't It a Pity in 66, but he tried to present it to the group at the Let It Be sessions. And they were and like, they, no. They rejected this. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Isn't it a pity? They didn't like this. No wonder he, the guy had to go do a solo thing. He, he had to get it out of him. It says during right. the 1969 sessions, George Harrison said John Lennon vetoed them from working on Is It a Pity? And Harrison thought about offering it to Frank Sinatra instead. Wow. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah, DJ, what up? Pennsylvania. Howard. Yes. Good morning, it's DJ from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know, I, I announced you already. I, I, how many times can we, I mean, no one's that excited You've about DJ from... You've been introduced, DJ yeah. from Pittsburgh. We yeah, all know so it's I you. Ask if, I was going to ask if uh, Tukas could collaborate with Kiss, that way the band could be called Kiss Mary Tukas. I'd be honored to open up for Kiss. Uh, they're going out on some tour. I mean, I gotta, I, I mean, of course. Kiss Man Tukas. <laughs> <laughs> Where is my song? Everybody wants to hear it. I know it. I can feel it out there. <laughs> People love it. Wait till you hear Metamucil, man. Fuck yeah! Smell my I would collaborate with Kiss, sure. It's a powerful band. Three guys, that's it. Catchy, catchy, catchy. You'll be singing it all day. You'll see. Right now, you're, you're not. I was going to say, this is my weekend now. I'll be singing this song. <laughs> Poor you. Uh, uh -huh. Rick Rubin is uh, mixing Metamucil Man as we speak, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just imagine the Kiss yeah. Took Us Tour. The Kiss Man Took Us Tour. Of course. <laughs> Makes sense. I got, when I when I get Kiss in here, I got to ask him about, um, I don't, I, they, at one point they, they toured with Aerosmith. Uh -huh. And um, Kiss would open up for Aerosmith, but somehow things got ugly. I don't. I don't. Maybe the guys can tell us the story. And they they had like a huge falling out. And Stephen said some shitty things about Kiss. And then oh boy. Kiss said, uh, "Yeah, well, we're tired of watching uh, everybody walk out during your set after they see a Kiss uh, show." And I, I wonder how things get that bad because you know I. Uh. I love Aerosmith so much. You know, I, I can't imagine how how it devolved into that. I'm sure the I'm sure the guys have made up and patched things up since, but may not. We'll you don't find know. out. We'll find out. Yeah, they, that shit happens in rock and roll. What are you gonna do? Well, there's a lot of big egos. I mean, you know, 
Yeah. That's that's what happens. Anyway, I was going to say to you, so I'm watching American Idol, and I see how I'm, I'm obsessed with how thin Katy Perry, I mean, looks good. And then I know uh, everyone in Hollywood, this is what I read in the paper, it's taken some kind of drug where you can get skinny. And I wonder if she took the skinny drug. Um, and if she got constipation like that woman we were talking to yesterday. Someone told me that this is why I, I love Chelsea Handler. I think she just said, oh, yeah, I took the skinny drug. <laughs> and she talks about it. Like, you know how people hide all the shit they do to get thin? Or right. The, they did it all yeah. naturally. But they won't Howard, tell you what they really did. She she did say that she um she was said she took it, but she said she took it accidentally, meaning her doctor prescribed her for it, and she didn't know it was for weight loss. Oh. Well, well that's why crazy. She... <laughs> Where's her doctor? That's what I want to know. Uh... But they say that the, the skinny drug will turn your face old, which is really fucked yeah, up. Yeah, there's some, something called Ozempic face. I don't know what it really is. but What uh... is the drug called? Zempic? Ozampic. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would never. Uh, I would never take a drug to get thin, because I know there's always side effects and stuff. Well, I now realize a doctor was offering this to me. Oh yeah, and I kept saying, "No, I want to do it on my own. I want to do it on my own." And they said, "Are you sure? Because we've got a drug that'll make you lose weight." Wow. How much weight were they saying you could lose? Like, I mean, like a major I weight loss? I didn't even pursue it. I was wow. just like, let me do this on my own. Well, you're smart because you got a beautiful young face. You look much younger than your years, and uh, you might have fucked your face up. I could have gotten old, right, in the face. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't be uh, hot anymore, so you don't want that. <laughs> you want to be hot, don't you? I mean, of course. You love it. I, I just, I don't like a lot of pills. I, I take enough. I didn't want another one. Yeah, Robin takes and enough And then pills. when he saw me, he said, oh, did it the old-fashioned way, did you? <laughs> yeah, well, good for you. I approve. Uh, Ozempic helps users shed about 10% of their total mass. Hmm. Well, that's tempting, huh? But if it fucks your face up. Oh, it's not a pill. It's a weekly injection. Mm. Oh, I have no idea. Didn't take it. Yeah. But she whipped herself into shape, Katy Perry. Maybe oh, she yeah. did it naturally. Why are you Absolutely. thinking that she no. look old? No, <laughs> she she looks terrific. <laughs> big titties and uh and she didn't lose titty mass. You know what I mean? Like she still has mm -hmm. big titties. Which is something you've always managed to do. Well, Robin always keeps her big titties even when she loses weight. I can't lose them. No, they're there. I've tried. She's chopped them off and they grew back. It's fucking crazy. Sometimes you're you just down. meant to, to be a certain volume. You know, I remember when Robin did it, she told the doctor, listen, I want you to chop these things off. And he goes, no, 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 you, it'll look weird. She goes, make me an A or a no! B cup. And the doctor was like, no, 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 it'll look weird. No! I'm going to do it the right way, blah, blah, blah. So she went in for the surgery, had the whole thing down. The, you know, they, I mean, they sewed her up. The and whole I thing. bought little bras, right? Bought little bras. <laughs> and okay, so she went from like a G cup to a D, but she was still like a D, you know, when she came out of surgery. The beautiful titties. And uh, 
And then she says, Jesus Christ, I bought a little tiny bra. I got big I D's. I get out of the hospital with it. <laughs> and then within, I don't know, how would you say, a year, you had your, your G's back again. They just grew. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you. God wants you to have big titties. God said, no fucking way. No fucking way, Robin. This is God. You're going to have big titties. I gave you big titties, and you're keeping them. You go to, go to 20, doctor. I'm going to cut your tits off. But this even is God. The, even the doctor, it was almost like he couldn't do it, right? He mm. was just like, I know what she wants, but she's <laughs> asleep now. <laughs> they should have cut you down to an A cup. You know, and well, then that's maybe you would have. I wanted. <laughs> I know, you were right. In the end, you were right. You know who you remind me of? Wolverine, the way you regenerate your breasts. <laughs> That's my superpower. I always said when I created you, you were going to have nice big tits. So, you can't fuck with me. I'm God. <laughs> That's it. Those tits, Robin, are not a mistake. That was a plan I had. Oh, I no. It took me. Took me seven days to create your breasts. I kept looking in the hospital, you know, I was there like a night or two, and I kept looking at the new bra and saying, I don't think this is going to work. That's right. He didn't uh, do what uh, I said. Those tits are my greatest creation. Um, <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean and your tits are my two best. When I created those two things, like... Your tits are better than the clouds I created. <laughs> and I told you, Robin, no bra can withstand the power of me, God. <laughs> and, the, and, and the doctor who tried to remove your boobs is going to hell. I'm sending him to Satan, <laughs> one of my angels. And so it was. I made, it took me six days to make your tits, and then I rested. I needed a day of rest. <laughs> People talk about how the sunset is so beautiful. And I say, yes, I created sunsets, but every sunset is bullshit compared to your tits. <laughs> Do you know how long it took Let's me to create? Let's get carried away. Hold on a second. I'm God. I'll get carried away all I want. <laughs> By the way, my son Jesus loves those tits too. He told me. <laughs> I never knew he was a tit man. How many days do you think it took me to create Mount Everest? Oh, that must have taken a while. You know, that's a big mountain. It took me three days. It took me six days to create your perfect tits. People should worship your tits. You know what I said? People will see your tits and then they will believe in me. They'll know God. there's a God, yeah. Yes, the people will know. Well, good to hear from you, God, on the creation <laughs> of Robin's tits. Uh, Nicole, you're on the air in Ohio. Hi. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Howard? Yes, yes. I was on your show about 22 years ago. You gave me your very last breast exam for National Mammography Day. Yes, years ago, 
Yes. When the medical community wasn't so uptight, I could do a woman's breast exam. Yes. But uh, doctors now don't approve. I'm considered um, not a professional. They lock you that had, up for themselves. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's you a had plot. Your, uh, barbecue tongs. You had your coal miners. Uh, yeah, I remember you. I uh, I had a coal miner's hat on and, and barbecue tongs, and I, I I played with your breasts. And I remember I didn't see any sign of cancer. Did you ever have cancer of the breast? No, thank God. It's yeah, you I was right. Death. Another success yeah. story in my long <laughs> resume. <laughs> and I, I remember your breasts because uh, that I was their last one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that would. I don't think that would go over real. Well, with my wife, me playing with your titties, <laughs> even though I do well, it for medical reasons. But yeah, I remember I you. I saved your life. <laughs> I know your wife too thinks you need to be medically certified. <laughs> no, you know what Beth did when I first met her about a year into our relationship. She took away my mammography equipment, like totally removed <laughs> it from the house. I have no ability to do breast exams anymore. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's funny that way. You know, you know, you know how women get. They get uptight, you know. To me, I said, "Listen, it's it's medical. I don't I don't give a shit. I, I don't care about it. I'm just trying to help people. That that's it." You don't even look at it as sexual. Mike, go ahead. You're on the air. By the way, I just want to say one more thing. I'm still able to check Fred's balls on a daily basis. <laughs> you didn't still take have that, that equipment. Yeah, yeah, and he's got great balls, and they have no cancer. <laughs> Calling from Minnesota. I, uh, I was on Ozempic. I was about uh, 380 pounds. Uh, I was diabetic, and uh, I took Ozempic, and I uh, lost about 100 pounds in, God, I would say five months. Uh, wow! It, it was it was insane. I, I, I uh, it uh, like it was hard to eat. Like it wasn't hard to eat, but you you were very full all the time. Like you had. You you could eat, but I mean you filled up fast. But did you get side effects? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I got really sick. Um, after oh. a certain point, they they increased my dosage, and I went up. Um, and uh, I couldn't like digest food, so I was vomiting like once a jeez. week. Jeez! Oh, jeez! Yeah. You know, I yeah, don't know. Was, I don't know why people uh, would take something like that. It, you just know it's going to lead to trouble, but. There you go. The yeah. straight from the uh, straight from the man's mouth. Lost a hundred pounds, but he got sick. Did you gain all the weight back when you went off it? No, no. I, oh. I kind of learned to like work out afterwards. Like it was mm. serious because I was diabetic. So you know, I, I I learned that like it's just I don't want to lose my eyesight or a limb or sure. you know something like that. So Good yeah. You. So yeah. Uh, no, no food tastes as great as thin feels. I believe Robin, that's a quote from her. And, uh, it's absolutely, well, let's assign it to you. It sounds good. All right. Look, good for you, Mike. Uh, I don't know. I don't approve of taking these drugs. I don't like it, but, uh, what do I know? I'm, all I do, I, my, my, my field well, is, uh, breast exams. Well, your friends? What is it? Tammy and, uh. Tammy and Amy. Yeah. They're a different story, those two. I think they would take anything, but, uh, who knows? <laughs> Uh, well, listen, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to see the band Kiss, full makeup, ready to do a couple of tunes, talk about their long career in rock and roll, and uh, look forward to talking with the boys. But you know, the most, the most important thing in the morning, and we've talked about a lot, I didn't even get to the fan mail, but okay, then I'll have to wait. And there but, was also a phony phone call you were supposed to play. 
lot of things. Robin, listen, what can I tell you? The show is chock full of uh, stuff. But uh, and I was supposed to play as Sal, the psychic mediums, a uh, big moment. But uh, That's okay, right. everybody relax. We're not going anywhere. We have got three years on this contract. Let's drag this <laughs> shit out. So we'll take a break for Kiss. Can't wait to say hello to Kiss. Everybody loves Kiss. We celebrate Kiss today and their amazing accomplishment: a hundred million, hundred million <gasps> albums sold. There they are, boys there in full they makeup. Are. Hey, how looking hello. good. Hi, guys. Great to have you here. Nice to be here this early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you must be miserable. It's the life of rock and roll. Oh, we're getting an echo. I, 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 do you guys hear in that? No. 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 One, two, three, four. No. No. Okay. I guess it's when I talk. But now it's good. I think it's gone. Hey, so I was just going to, I was just playing some Led Zeppelin. I realized that when I was like thinking about you guys last night, that was a major influence. The Beatles. And, you know, Led Zeppelin gets knocked a lot. And I feel like Kiss went through that in their history. Like, for some reason, I don't know, Rolling Stone magazine used to give them shitty reviews and stuff. And, and somehow they powered on. And that's what I admire. That's why I'm celebrating you guys today. With all, you know, anyone who can have a career in the music business for as long as you guys have, it is just an amazing accomplishment and selling 100 million albums. I think you have and to decide who you're trying to please. If you're trying to please the critics, you know, then you're in trouble. But we've always tried to be the band we never saw. So for us, we tried to create the show and the personas that um, took us to another level. People who don't get it probably haven't seen us because it just takes coming to the show and seeing this tribal atmosphere of people celebrating not only us but themselves. So here we are announcing the final shows, and uh, December 1st and 2nd is Madison Square Garden, and we're going to be putting all the final shows up on sale. It's Paul, why it's make a- this statement, it's, a fi- it's the final shows? You know the Who have famously always said it's the final shows. Uh, you guys, I think, in the past have even said, that's it, we're, we're packing it in, it's enough. Why, why say final shows? Is it really the final shows, or is it sort of a marketing thing? It it totally is. And the big difference between us doing final shows and perhaps when we did something 20 years ago, when we did it 20 years ago, we didn't realize, I mean, in the misery and drudgery of having brought back the original guys, it quickly became just misery. And it turned out we didn't want to end the band. We wanted to end that relationship. And we didn't realize that till afterwards. We've been together as this lineup 20 years of playing stadiums, of playing arenas. We love being together, but I'm 70 years old. Yeah. What? <laughs> Gene's only 30. How is that possible? <laughs> I'll be 74. How old are you, Isn't that, I am 69, and I got to tell you guys, I am so freaked out about the end of life. I mean, you know, you get in your 70s, you start to see your friends drop off. How are you guys dealing with getting older and 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 and... and and it's interesting. Why walk away from music? If you love it, why walk away from the band touring and stuff? What is your plan? I mean, what would you do if you didn't have the band? I don't think leaving the band in terms of a touring entity means that we stop being creative or stop making music. This is in our blood. This is what makes us um, get up in the morning. So the whole idea that we're 
we're going to retire. I don't want to retire till I die. You know, uh, I've watched so many people around me, particularly in the last couple of years, die. And yeah. um, I think we're living by an acronym, QTR, quality time remaining. Whatever you do takes you away from something else. And physically, this is just, we know we're at our peak now. The shows have been amazing. Um, I just had my eighth surgery. So that says something. On what? What was your eighth surgery? I just had um, bone spurs taken out of my foot. I had shots in my shoulders. I've had a hip replacement. Both my knees have been scoped. I've had two rotator cuffs torn. I popped my bicep tendon. I go is this to, all I go from to, rock and roll? Is it from the totally. moving around? It is. Wow. Well, wow. how many 70-year-old basketball players, football players, all my doctors are sports doctors. I knew I was in trouble when I went to the hospital and they said, we have your favorite room. <laughs> wow. That is in, you know, you know, I, 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 I just want to jump in for a second. Look, uh, coming up through the ranks, we you've got the uh, whiplashes of you didn't just walk in and become Howard Stern. On the right. way up, everybody had something to say about it. And so you're either going to run your own race and ignore who runs beside you or in back of you. You know, be the best you can be. More importantly, be extraordinary. Don't be ordinary. There's only one Howard Stern. I'm not here to you know, pat you on the back, but, you know, it's undeniable. There's only one kiss. You don't want to try to figure out who's coming up, who's next, who want to be the best you can be. And in terms of retirement, there's so many things to look forward to. My daughter just got married. There's all kinds of human Congratulations. being stuff. Yeah. You're very kind. Yeah, There's all kinds of human being stuff that we missed out playing on tour for 50 years. So you but get a chance to... Look back from Mount Olympus and see how wonderful the view is. Plus, here's Howard. the thing with you guys, though. But, but I got to ask you guys this, especially uh, Gene and Paul. You guys have been together, Paul, since you were in high school. Gene was a little bit older, so okay, he was, yeah, out was of 56. high school. Fifty-six. <laughs> yeah, but you guys <laughs> met and you and you made uh, you know you made music together. You made this amazing career. And the thing I like about your relationship, unless it's, you know, I don't know you guys that well, but it seems to me you have a real love and appreciation of each other. I had Paul McCartney on the show. I said to him, I said, Paul, you were in love with John. And, and Paul got uncomfortable with that imagery. Two men in love with each other. But Gene and Paul, I think you guys know it's your longest relationship, more than your marriages. Aside from your parents, no one's known each other longer than you two. And maybe, you know, that relationship is so important that you don't walk away from touring. Maybe you just, you know, you, you, it's too hard to walk away, not to see each other on tour. I think I think we may walk away from touring, but we don't walk away from each other. Um, I think we've become wiser, as you have. I think your audience has seen you if not mature, just grow wiser over the years. And we appreciate immensely what we have. We also realize that there's more to life than just this and the physical toll it takes and that it takes us away from our homes. Look, if we, what's going to be your day, Paul, what do you, let's say you, you, you're doing the final tour. You're going to make announcements today and everything. And then, and then, what's the what is the day you're looking forward to? What do you see? Long stretches of time. What uh, doing? What? What do you want to do? I paint almost every day. I have a an amazingly successful career, 
as a, a painter, I've uh, sold over $24 million in paintings. So wow, I didn't know that. That's some, yeah, that's something I do daily, and I just had an art show last week. And What do you uh, paint, watercolors? Uh, uh, acrylics, uh, large, acrylics, large acrylics. And uh, uh, in August, I have a two-month show at the Butler Institute of American Artists in, in Ohio. So it's there's so much to do. Um, you know, you were talking about earlier about seeing people around you die. You see people's mortality. When I was younger, I saw life as a uh, moving sidewalk towards an end, and everybody was in front of me. Now I look and everybody's behind me. You realize things are finite. And hopefully, if you're wise enough, you realize that time is precious. Right. Oh, don't I realize but, but that? We're all, we're also aware that having been together for so long, it's the longest relationship I've ever had in my life. That's for sure. Are you in love with we, Paul? Yes, in a very real way. Me right. too. I'm not okay. gonna. I'm not gonna do the jokes about the, when no, we're in no, jail and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> no, I'm look. glad you don't do the jokes. I think it's important for men to hear how important it is to say, "I love Paul. Paul. Paul's my guy. He's my best friend. He's well, we've we, been we created this, magic together. We've been saying this longer than you've been alive because we're older. Right. He's uh, kind of the brother, you know, from my mother, from another mother, kind of thing." Uh, we don't agree on all kinds of things, but you've got to understand the intrinsic heart and soul of what the relationship is based on. Mutual respect. He knows stuff I will never know. Hopefully I know some things. And one and one equals three. But I don't want to negate a really important point. We got a lot of attention. Are you the guy with the long tongue? Are you the guy with the thing and the painting and all? We get a lot of attention. Let me tell you something. Kiss wouldn't be where it is today without Tommy and Eric, who have infused the band about 20 years ago with new injection of blood and fury. Yeah, by the way, hi, Tommy and Eric. I don't mean to be uh, ignoring you guys. I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad that you guys are going to play today. I'm really looking forward to that. And and, and you're right. It, it's um, Tommy and Eric have been with the band 20 years, and I don't think that people realize that. You know, with all the... There has been a consistency. But I think... If I may, Gene and Paul, when I look at your your backgrounds, I think the reason for you guys to get along so well, I see you as having similar backgrounds. Gene, you grew up poor, and I'm not, uh, I mean, I think, Gene, you had a horrible, horrible childhood. You saw some bad shit early on. You, you, your father left you at six years old, and you never saw this guy again. And even worse, he went on and had a new family, had kids, and never thought four, to come see. He had four, four new four families. Times. Yeah. Four times. That had to just fuck with your head, Gene, growing up. Where's my father? What is going I on? I don't think you even realized how much. And that's a credit to you. I think in the last five, ten years, things kind of crystallized for you. And it made a difference in who you are. Well, uh, what I can say uh, consciously and whatever is I had an advantage, which is I had a super mom. My mother was the moral, uh, I don't know, compass of who I was always looked up to her. And it's the cornball thing to say, especially for guys that look like us and do what we do. But when you go behind the curtain and find out what life's all about, 
he realized without my mother, I would I would have gone to the dark side right away. So no drugs, no booze, never smoked cigarettes, none of that stuff. And it's your mother was a Holocaust mother. survivor. Am I correct? Yeah, she was 14 when she was in the camps. Yeah. Mm. And Paul, your yeah. family background, same thing. Your father Very was well. a Holocaust survivor, right? He was in the well, camps. Well, actually, my dad was first generation here from Poland. My mom got a phone call. She was born in Berlin. And her dad got a phone call at one o'clock in the morning saying they got tipped off in the morning. You're going to be rounded up. And they packed up suitcases with whatever older clothes they had to try to fit in, went to the train station, left the car, got into different car, train cars and went to Amsterdam, stayed there and then fled from there to the States. So it's, it's incredible. When you see people that you grew up around, all the, the uh, adults I knew had numbers on their arms. And I used to wow. say, why do you, why do you have numbers on your arms? And they didn't, they didn't want to make me be exposed to that kind of trauma. And they said, Oh, it's our phone numbers. So, um, to grow up as, uh, somebody impacted by the Holocaust on any level was life changing. It really, changed i think our outlook and it also gave a sense of work ethic and how important it is to pick yourself up and do what you can not only to succeed our parents were determined to make us succeed by teaching us what it takes to succeed were you sad as kids because um you know i i i was exposed to a lot of uh, things around the holocaust and it made me profoundly sad and made me profoundly scared of the world, that I felt like the world was a really dangerous place. And maybe, you know, you, you, you just don't know what's out there and what's coming up. And maybe that shared experience bonded the two of you guys that you took on the world together. I mean, I don't know how aware of that you are, but I, I gotta say that, uh, when you're on a roller coaster ride, yes, hindsight's 2020 and you can look back. You had a horrible childhood and this and this. I never looked at it that way. I had my mother. That was the backbone I needed. And that was all I needed. You know, every day above ground is a good day kind of thing. It's funny. We don't really talk this deeply about stuff when we get up on stage, but why not? And I will tell you that going through life, the rock steady, backbone of who i am and what i want i could always come home to mom i'm a mama's boy but gene always you never went been. looking you never when you got famous and you become this big success uh, you know world touring band 100 million albums sold the whole thing the old man didn't try to you know huh let me go find gene um no. never and you never no. went looking for him you never said i'm just well, curious uh, to that's ask di him. that's different that's different i uh bought him houses supported uh his my half brother and three half sisters and why you know uh because in return for giving me at least the way i thought about it in return for giving me life whether you fulfilled your your mission as a responsible father or not i had a response i had a responsibility to make sure he didn't have to worry so i really and supported him until he passed on but i didn't want the social interaction because i i couldn't deal with it i mean the, other words, the only time you you bought him the house gene uh and and supported him he didn't call you and thank you you didn't want to call from him you he didn't wrote, go he visit wrote letters no he wrote letters but i never read them what we, you would get a letter and then just what 
rip it up and throw it away. My mother, my mother has a, has, she's still with me. My mother has had a stack of letters that I never read. And she tried, you know, she flew over to Israel where he lived with his other families, oh, at least 20 times, always brought cash with her, handed it to, you know, the other kids with the other wives and never got in the way. She just wanted to make sure he was okay and then flew back here. And do you, you don't know, find that opened, unbelievable? That, that is the most unusual thing I've ever heard you say. Great, I've heard you say something. The great crazy generation, shit. the great generation, Tommy's father, General Thayer, is, he's got books coming out. Uh, the World War II Museum is going to have a General Thayer section about how he liberated concentration camps. And, you know, we all have our backstories, but I never had a bad day in my life. And that's because when we, I get choked up, when we came to America, when I was about eight and a half years of age, I never saw or imagined anything like that. I never saw a TV set. I thought there was a guy in a box. There was a guy flying through the air, which I never even dreamed about. Superman, I never heard of that. I couldn't speak English for one thing. I read comic books and the most amazing things were happening. And this is a result of all those childhood sort of fantasies and preoccupations, the bits and pieces, the puzzles of who I am and perhaps who we are. And Paul, uh, when yes. you hear Gene talk like this, because you, there's an amazing fact about Paul that I am blown away by. When you were 15, because of the trauma, and I'll, we'll talk about that trauma that you went mm -hmm. through at the age of 15, on your own, without your parents, you went into therapy. And yes. when you hear <laughs> Gene say, ah, I gave my father money, I never thought about it, blah, 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 blah. You sit there and go, gee, I wish Gene would go into therapy just so he could get in touch with how much anger and resentment he must have toward that father. I think it's it's marvelous that Gene has come to some sort of epiphanies that he didn't uh, want to face before his relationship. Look, I don't want to turn into a, a therapy expert here, but <clears throat> the fact that he came to terms with certain uh, parts of his life and has um, in integrated those things into his life his half brothers and sisters um his acknowledgement of his dad you know gene uh, was always very much closed off and i don't want to think about anything and uh, you know you i wouldn't want to see the floodgates open because that's that's almost more horrific and traumatic than anything else but i think you know I give him a lot of credit, and I think it's again, it's changed. Oh, I him do as a too. I, I, Gene, I mm -hmm. cannot believe the amount of anger I have in me. I could never, if my father abandoned me and went off and had four other families and other half brothers and sisters and all this, <laughs> dole out money so he can live comfortably. Amazing, but I sometimes wonder because you know you guys have written great songs. Gene, imagine the songs you would write about this if you ever tapped into just how angry you are with your father. It would be insane. I don't. I, I don't shatter. I don't think we <clears throat> thought we had the right. I certainly didn't think I had the right to go up there and do scream therapy, Doctor Yanov, about here's you know uh, depression and stuff like that. As far as I know, consciously, maybe the id I was never been depressed. Always been a happy guy. Just work hard, shut up, and keep going forward. And forward momentum makes you not think about 
what does it all mean? Do I have my mother's hips? And none of that stuff. Just keep going right. forward. And we've it's been amazing. doing that for 50 years. Difference no, I mean, I it's amazing. Be- yeah, difference, ahead, I think, between us is I'm the opposite in the sense of I want to know what everything means. I want to know why I do things. I My life has always been about trying to make myself a better person and somebody I liked more. I think it, there was a point I really didn't like myself. Um, I grew up with a, a, a deformed ear, a microtia. Uh, I'm deaf on this side. And um, as much as my parents loved me and did the best they could, they had so many issues and so many problems that really, as much as they tried, they couldn't be optimal parents. And I felt very much alone and very much threatened by the world. And I thought, you know, the only person who's going to get me out of this is me. And at 15, I walked into Mount Sinai Hospital just on my own and said, I need help. Wow. You know, it makes me think. I, I once said to my father, I think I need therapy. And he, he showed me his fist and said, here's your therapist right here. I'm going to, you know, I'm kind of implying he'd punch me in the face. I didn't have the courage to go out and seek that on my own. That's why I'm so impressed with What's what you did. Well, you know, I guess just bottling it all up. I'm I'm a lot like Gene. I bottle it all up and I just kind of walked around an angry guy and didn't want to. I didn't, you know, I said, I got to just keep moving forward and I'm not going to be introspective. I'm just going to move forward. And it is a way of coping. I mean, it is a coping but, mechanism. But it's, I'm, I'm it's only sure. a coping medic. Me, uh, it's only a way to cope. It's a coping method. Whereas my um, uh, way of thinking has always been you can have a decayed tooth you can have a need for a root canal you either suffer through the pain of that or you dig into it and it may hurt a lot but then it will make life that much better absolutely if i could have been as smart as you and done that Mm -hmm. at an early age it would have really helped me because i know i suffered a lot for a lot of years with and then i did go into therapy and it changed it did change my it changed you it's so clear you know i've watched you over the years and it's really commendable and I think it sets an example for other people that um, mental health is something that is not addressed in the same way that uh, diabetes or other things are. Right. And it's shunned when uh, we really have an opportunity to make our lives so, so much better and to love who we are. And that sounds corny, but uh, that's really the cornerstone is when you go home, do you like the person you see? Did you hide it from your parents? In other words, you just didn't consult them on it. And you say they had a lot of problems. What they, they were just unhappy as a couple. They they yeah, didn't get along. They weren't happy. They weren't happy as a couple, and and uh, they both had very very dysfunctional upbringings. And that's what they brought to the table. We tend, you know, we tend to replicate what we saw at home, and what they saw at home they brought to us, which was kind of turmoil and the whole idea that whatever's going on. You shut up and just face face forward and go forward and make believe it's not happening. And what that, I love, what I love, Paul, about your story is you you describe yourself as a fat kid. You had this deformity of the ear. Kids were not kind to you. You know how kids are. They they picked on you and this kind of thing. And you basically said, "Fuck, I need help. I'm going to go transform myself. I'm going to make sure that I can learn to love myself." It, it, it is an amazing story, and I imagine. The last thing someone would have expected you to go into is music when you have a, when you can't hear out of uh, one side of your head, you know. But but Howard, we 
all got into the entertainment industry because we were seeking approval and acknowledgement and we were looking to fill those voids in us that's why we're all up here it's not because we're normal it's because we're needy well you're right it's almost abnormal to think that you're going to go into a business and you could write a song that the world is going to respond to think about how crazy that is you you have to be somewhat insane to think that you could do that because it's an impossibility. So few people pull off that magic trick. It's hard. But don't, but don't you think that I believe that people are more alike than not. And I think that if we do something like kiss to please us, we wanted to be the band. We never saw. We right. wanted to, we wanted to be fans of what we do. And if you do something that you love, somebody else is going to love it. Yeah. I, 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 think I that, couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do uh, I couldn't do any of that. I never had a sit down with my mother. What does it all mean? Uh, I'm alone. You go to work all the time. I didn't I didn't think I had uh, the right after having lived through concentration camps of Nazi Germany and survived while her parents and the rest of she was alone as well. And she had to go work six days a week and all that stuff. Last thing she wanted was an eight to 12 year old boy saying you know i feel alone can we talk about what it all means and stuff yeah, but gene but you, said, but, but gene, you didn't get what you needed i mean it is sad your when your mother's a sad woman a depressed woman perhaps and and really no. in bad shape well no, when no, your mother's sad was... you know you don't you cannot go to your mother you're right but you probably no, needed I someone i didn't think i had the right not only that but i know i didn't get high or drink or any of that stuff because i didn't think i had the right to cause my mother any pain. I know that was the backbone of what but I But Gene, imagine that. You're six years old. You don't have the right to go to your mother and say, my father's gone. What happened? I need, I, I need I to think, understand this. You know, I think you shortchanged yourself because I think your mom would have surprised you because yes. she was your mom and she, she loved you so much. Boy, this is getting heavy. <laughs> but I, I do remember, you know, my, my dad, I went to my dad Unfortunately, I said, Dad, I need help. I'm and he said, you think you're the only person with problems? And I realized then that, hey, you know, I think Gene's case was different, honestly. But um, I think we have to approach our parents and at least confirm our our beliefs or be found to be wrong. No, I, Look, no, I, Gene, don't, I don't stand by that. I still mm -hmm. uh, stand by the notion that my mother was trying to survive emotionally, mentally, after seeing the most horrific things the human mind can imagine. How dare I have... Well, that's sad. That's sad because you well, missed out on... I mean, I, I know what you're referring to. You're, and, 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 and that's this is okay. Deeply... Life, life is hard, and I've always been... My armor has been my delusional sense of self. I know I walk in a room and some, and often it's off-putting. Who does that guy think he is? I create, I invented Gene Simmons. I wasn't born Gene Simmons. And I, I'm fully aware that I invented the name, who I am, how I talk, how I walk and all that kind of stuff. Fully aware of that my, it's my armor and uh, whatever issues I have down there seems to be like a functioning, uh, whatever the psychological term, 
because it hasn't affected, I don't think. Now, by the way, through the years in KISS touring, I'm no different than any guy in a band. You know, you succumb to the, you know, the foibles of success and money and all that stuff, meaningless relationships, if you will. Uh, and it means not, you know, over the course of time, you realize, you know, that's it. I didn't have drugs. I didn't have booze. There was only that stuff. But when you come up for air and you get a family and you finally have Shannon, who I've been together close to 40 years, but only married 10 of those years. For the first 29 years, I was an asshole. You know, uh, arrogant. Well, you call it being an asshole. I call it a very deprived young boy whose own mother had been through seeing her mother go into a gas chamber. I see a boy who lost his father at six who didn't want to acknowledge him. And then when you get older, you go, you know what? I'm fucking entitled now to my time. And I'm going to eat Howard. up this world and I'm going to take every woman. I'm going to, you know, I understand it. It's like I, I've lived that life too. You think after a while, it's it's just it's just such a sad situation, some of these family situations, you know. It's tough, and I think that's what bonds you guys as brothers. I think you've both been through the fucking mill when you were young. And how amazing. When at, at uh, Sophie's wedding, I put my hand on Gene's shoulder and said, how amazing that we have these things we couldn't even comprehend. Marriages, children, um watching watching everything flourish things that we never possibly wanted and the joys that it bring us at this point um right hey we're 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 blessed but we didn't get here overnight and it took no. a lot of pitfalls and a lot of a lot of you know problems and issues over the time you know gene and i always uh, haven't always seen eye to eye and we've had times great great story was <clears throat> There was one point in the early 90s when I think we were having some strained times and uh, the earthquake happened in, in Los Angeles. The first person I called was him. I called him up. Are you OK? Great. Fuck yourself. You know, it was more, <laughs> you know, it was, I, I may be really angry at you, but I got to make sure that you're OK. I hate flying. I always have. I have nightmares, no matter what the logic is, you're struck by lightning more often, blah, 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 blah. I hate it. I took a flight, like a bad horror movie flight that I thought was going to be the last flight. Uh, well, he'll tell you the story. Go ahead. I had uh, five surgeries to reconstruct my ear. They took uh, rib cartilage, and uh, over a period of time, they, they reconstructed an outer ear, so it's cosmetically fairly good and wow. af after the first surgery which was incredibly painful you know what it's like when a doctor says well you're going to be a little sore and you wake up and you can't breathe so you can't even hit him um and gene gene flew up to uh to dartmouth new hampshire to come see me which was uh in, in a plane that had a gerbil on a rubber band and going over mountains and I because thought, gene you love you love paul and you love the life you guys have built together and yet I, I think i have it right that you guys don't see each other socially pretty much at all i mean listen when you tour together and everything that's when you get to be together i get that but there is like well, maybe well until yeah. recently we'd bump each we lived a quarter of a mile from each other 
I bought another place, and maybe we're a few miles from each other. It's not like we don't see each other. Anytime you want to have some Starbucks or anything, you know, there he is. Or you go to. But the you don't do it. But you don't do it. You don't make a, a date of it. Well, how much can you take? We, we're together more than married couples. We, we I, I know. We, no, we see each other. I'm I'm always happy if if I run into Gene at the the market or I see Shannon's like my sister in law. This is it's really an extension of my family, and um, I think being brothers is a little different than being friends because you don't want to see them all the time and you don't always agree. But they're the people. Time tells everything, and you know from your own relationships that there's no substitute for time and how people respond to crises and to your issues and their own. And that bonds you tremendously. When was the last time you took uh, Robin to dinner, Howard? I haven't seen Robin. In, oh, well, I'm still hiding from COVID, so I haven't seen Robin in three years. But we speak uh, We speak off the air a, a couple that of sounds, times a week. That sounds like Paul and I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I, I mean, Robin and I get to have a conversation every day, so we feel pretty good about that. But it is different when you can see each other privately, you know, and and hang out. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I, I, truly, I know. truly. Well, I'm, these are two incredibly interesting guys, and I got to. Oh, say, I'll get to those as, guys. As as far <laughs> as the you know, people talk about the original lineup and this and that. We couldn't have started Kiss or gotten Kiss going without the original guys. And we couldn't keep it going with the original guys. The last 20 years have been... A pleasure. An unbelievable pleasure because everybody up here, in spite of whether you understand what we're dressed like, we take a tremendous amount of pride in what we do. And we take a tremendous sense of obligation to our fans. And... uh it's not well, just I thought about- it was particularly I thought it was particularly hurtful that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, did not have the two gentlemen sitting here next to you uh, when you guys were inducted. In, and they, as you say, these two guys, by the way, we're, we're talking to, of course, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Eric Singer on drums. And Tommy, you're on guitar. You've been with them 20 years when they when they didn't have you to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That had to hurt because you have been in the band 20 years. It's sort of absurd, that logic. Yeah, but we were there uh, supporting the whole, you know, KISS as an entity. We, You know, we were there and pr- very proud, and it would have been nice to be inducted, too, but it just didn't work that way that time, and, uh, you know, just roll with it. And the yeah. hypocrisy is that we're not a band they like. They purposely kept us out for 15 years, and other bands that they embrace, they, em- they induct people's moms and songwriters and all these people and with us it truly was unfair to the point that we literally were outside of the arena and had trouble getting in to to the award ceremony i mean i mean i mean you guys have sold a hundred million albums you're rock and roll i wouldn't describe you as any other thing than rock and roll and uh, you, you, the 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 grosses on your tours, I mean, are unbelievable. I thought it was particularly uh, wonderful of Tom Morello to induct you guys, and he lobbied really hard to get Kiss into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I love that guy. I think he's terrific. And he even said in his speech, he says, "You know, I took a lot of shit as a kid being a Kiss fan. Um, it it wasn't an easy thing to be because, you know, it's weird." You say the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Gene, I know you didn't give two shits about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's just nonsense. But uh, you it's went. not. It's not that so much. It's what right 
have we to complain about stuff that most people on the planet will never get a chance to experience? You know, it's the Beverly Hills blues. My limo is late. What are we going to complain about? Well, what it is. Yes, but you, you know, I guess in a way, if you're really going to analyze it, Kiss will get shit for the makeup. They'll say, oh, it's clown makeup. And, and, and so musicians won't take you seriously. And yet you're a serious band. You've written serious songs. You've written rock and roll uh, classics that people love. You know, I mean, uh, so, you know, is it the makeup's a blessing and a curse? It's but a any blessing. Musicians, any musician who comes to see us goes, I get it. I'm telling you to to a man or a woman. Anybody who comes to see it, look, is it any more shtick than a guy on his knees sliding across the stage or standing on a piano? It's all showbiz. It's all Theatrics, performance. Yeah, right. we, we've just taken it to an art. And because we elevated it to a level that uh, excited us, other bands and performers had no choice except to follow. There's Kiss DNA in every show that's out there. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I think the, 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 the biggest blessing, and you guys probably didn't even realize it, now that you're a band that's been around this long, it keeps you forever young, that makeup. I'm looking at you guys right now. You, you could be 20 year olds. I mean, it doesn't, it, it, it's sort of a great thing. Was Bowie one of the inspirations for the Kiss makeup? Because I thought that Bowie was so theatrical, sort of so interesting in his personas. He was unafraid too to put on a show that, you no, know, he was I, great. I th- but- he was great, but there's no immersion of, uh, tough to put it into words, because what happens maybe is similar to what happens to boxers. You could be backstage eating cookies and milk and making jokes with your little daughter, and then when you get on the stage, your your adrenaline takes over, and there's really a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. I mean, I can be glib and talk about, you know, what it all is and all that stuff. I know... When we start playing and the adrenaline pumps, Gene's in there, but, uh, you know, it's like knights in shining armor. You see the big thing. You Part of who and what we are as Kiss is who, how we appear, and that also contributes to, you know, you got to remember that a caterpillar and a butterfly are the same life form, but they move differently depending on how they look. I don't want to get too intricate. We don't usually talk this deeply about this stuff. We just sort of do it. And Was when it bit- happens, when the bell rings, boom, the bullfight begins. We aspired to be a certain kind of band, and a band first and foremost. I used to go to the Fillmore East. I was blessed that on almost any weekend, I could see Jimi Hendrix, um, saw him twice, Zeppelin, wow. Humble you Pie got- with Derek you- and the Dominoes. Um, you you got to see Hendrix live twice. Wow, twice at Hunter blew your College, mind, right? But the whole thing blew my mind, and that set a bar for me that I said I don't expect to reach this bar, but that's where you want to you want to grasp at that, and if you can't reach it, at least elevate what you're doing to a different standard. I saw at seventeen, I saw Led Zeppelin in 1969 and it was a religious experience right it was 
absolute perfection. I left there with a friend of mine and said, let's not even talk about this because anything we say will make it smaller than it was. It was a, a, a pivotal moment for me. And then to, to 10 years ago or whatever, have Jimmy Page. I've become uh, friends with Jimmy and Jimmy's at the show in London and he goes, you guys are a kick-ass rock and roll band. Well, hey, you know, it, it just doesn't get better than that. I was the kid in the audience, and now I'm getting approval from from my inspiration. That isn't that like an amazing thing? But isn't that an amazing thing when you get to a level where your heroes then are part of your life, and, Jim, and you're hanging with Jimmy Page? You want to pinch yourself. You want to go, it doesn't get totally. better than this. Right. And it should. Crazy. You should never lose... You should never lose that fan kind of admiration. If you do, I, I, I think you're full of yourself. I still meet certain people and go, wow, unfortunately, some of them disappoint me. And that's why I try to make sure that if somebody meets me, I think we're all very concerned with making sure that if this is the only time you're going to meet us, do it with, uh, do it with kindness and do it with embracing the people who make you what you are. This and sounds you know like so, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry, right. yeah. it's your no. show. No, no. I, I was just going to say it reminds me that um, you know, even with like painting, you look at great painters. It could even crush. It could crush you and say, "Why would I ever pick up a paintbrush when there's so many great paintings already?" I'm, I could never be this. But you guys looked at Zeppelin. You looked at the Beatles. You looked at uh, who, you know whoever you saw, and you said, "Well, maybe I'll never be as good as them. Maybe I will, but I got to be a part of this. This inspires me." And this but is that, this is great. But, goes, but Howard, that goes to the same thing probably you went through, and that's that you do something because you're compelled to do it. You don't right. do it logically. When somebody comes to me and says, "I'm thinking of being a musician," I go, "Forget it. You don't think about it. You don't have a plan B. You, you do, it. do it. You do it. And if you have to think about it, then you're on the wrong path." Are you underrated as, and, and Gene, I'll ask you the same question, as a, a bass player, are you underrated? In other words, uh, you know, we talk about the greatest bass players of all time, and maybe you'd say Jack Bruce, maybe you'd say, um, um, oh, I don't know, uh, you, you name them, Paul McCartney, somebody. Uh, Paul, same with you. Were you a kid who locked himself in the room and said, hey, I've, I'm this kid, I'm chubby, I got a deformed ear, I got shit with my parents. Did you lock yourself in a room with a guitar? For most of your childhood? I created me. I created I created somebody who was popular and to many accounts good looking. I was none of those. Self-assured. I was none of those things. I created me to get back at the people who I thought were mean to me. And once you become successful, hopefully you reach a point in your life that you're so happy that you don't have time to seek revenge. You did you ever seek revenge? Did you ever say to someone who was mean to you, hey, fuck you, asshole? Or did anyone ever come to a kiss <laughs> show and say, uh, oh, oh, Paul, uh, I want to hang with you? And meanwhile, this is some douchebag that was a, a maniac to you. Did you ever have that moment where you go, fuck you? Uh, now you want to be part of my life? To hell with you. No, it was enough for me to have that interaction that it didn't take me to lower myself. It was, yeah. there. yes, there was satisfaction in having that happen, but I didn't want to come down to that level. 
Yeah. That that thing you mentioned about do you get respect from other musicians or the best bass player or the best guitar player? Every once in a while, somebody nods their head. Jimmy Page, who you were talking about, uh, said some very nice things. You could give John Entwistle a run for his money, bass player in The Who. But honestly, I've been so delusional about myself ever since I decided to do this. I'm aware there's a certain amount of delusion going on there. But if you believe it, you make it so. So I was never concerned with whether or not I make it on the top 10 or whatever it is bass player thing it means nothing look at our lives my god the best and we've gotten lots of awards we have a hollywood star walk of fame thank you and we have the rock and roll hall of fame and this hall of fame and that imprint and stuff the best award we ever got and we will continue to get is when a fan buys a ticket and comes to our show with their hard-earned money that's the best award because it's heartfelt and it comes from the right place not some backroom politics where somebody decides okay who's it going to be this year this band or i was going to mention some bands and that was going to be <laughs> politically incorrect oh my god welcome to the woke world what so did you uh any- why didn't you play at the rock and roll hall of fame why not go up and do a performance what was your thinking there because we had too much pride in this lineup which is kiss right and has been kissed for 20 years it's not newcomers it's this is the band we'll we'll be back in the stadiums of south america next month we were there five months ago we were in japan this is the band that has carried the flag and taken it really to another level this is the band i always dreamed it would be and for us to go on stage uh they were demanding quite honestly that we play with the two original guys, Peter and Ace. And at this point, that would be demeaning to the band and also would give some people confusion. Because if you saw people on stage who looked like Kiss but sounded like that, maybe we should be called Piss. <laughs> right. <laughs> it bears noting we've, we've been all over the world through decades with this present lineup. It bears noting... I've never seen a single banner or sign that mentions any other lineup. Right. When Tommy takes a solo, Tommy, Tommy, that's me backstage going, Tommy. <laughs> when Eric takes a solo, Eric, Eric, they're pumping their fists. It's legitimate. Nobody is, nobody isn't, is in kiss and doing it by the numbers. Eric's when- got a really heartfelt story about how he was a fan, but I'll stop. No, I mean I I'd love to hear because that's an amazing thing to be a fan and then and then and then of course, you know, be in the band. Yeah, I mean Eric and I we both grew up actually Kiss fans. Right, Eric. Eric's from Cleveland, I'm from Portland. We we saw Kiss when we were younger. They're not much younger than we are. Don't <laughs> he makes it sound like they were their moms and dads. Different generation. Yeah. You know, my you, mom and dad took me. Well, Tommy when actually you, dressed up like Kiss when he was younger. I never did, but Tommy did. I did for Halloween. Yeah, well, you know, when you guys were starting the band, and uh, I forget what the, what was the name? Wicked Lester. You guys were originally Wicked Lester, which I think is a great name, by the way. Uh, I love it. But uh, and then you kind of were like thinking about the image of, of the band. And then you wanted to name the band Fuck, which I love. Not true. Not true at all. No, pardon uh, me. we were talking about it. Let's call uh, let's call the band. Fuck. First record could be it. 
The se- fuck it. second <laughs> fuck record it. could be you. Fuck you. But it wasn't serious. Third oh, it wasn't? Is, no. Because really, I know the, what... I, I know when I wrote my first book, I wanted to name it Penis because I wanted to be Howard Stern's Penis is number one or something like that. And so I thought in my mind, oh, you want to name band Fuck, but then maybe you said, you know what, we can't say Fuck, but what's like a Fuck, a Kiss? So we'll be Kiss. No, I thought maybe I it was no. The true story is we no. were, all of us were riding in my car. I think it was a Plymouth or a Dodge Polara. And we were throwing around names. And I went, and I thought to myself, oh, Jesus, this is the name Dear God, let's not turn this into a, you know, an ego fight. And I said, you ready? Kiss. And everybody went, yeah. So to me, wow. kiss was a, a word that transcended the English language. You could go almost anywhere in the world and say the word kiss, and people would go, oh, I've heard of them. It's like mm-hmm. calling a band water. So uh, right. that's really, and a kiss of death, a kiss of passion. It just seemed to incorporate all the elements of what we were doing and so the letters God. didn't stand but the, uh, paul the, the letters didn't stand for anything k-i-s we're, not that, no. we're smart no. but we're not that smart <laughs> right because you know, the fans think that they do they think yeah. that kiss stands for something and uh you know it's just a great name do you guys when i say own the name kiss in other words if i put out a product that said um uh kiss the t- uh, bed sheets because I like the word, I couldn't, right? No, no. Wow, wow. But we can make a deal. We can make a deal. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, I don't know if the kiss. I'm sure you guys already have the kiss uh, uh, bed sheet. We we do. What? You can go to Kiss World in Las Vegas at the Rio Hotel and see thousands of items, literally. Yeah, I. You know, I, I was also wondering about the songwriting process, and I know you guys are going to play, and I want to get to that. But I'm fascinated by it. I love to hear how musicians get along because, as you say. You know, even with when you, uh, Paul, when you suggest the name to Gene, hey, let's call the band Kiss, you're probably waiting for Gene to go, fuck you, you know, or, or it, it, that's not good. You know, you gotta, you gotta, when you're in a band with four guys, there was they gotta a time. all agree. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time that kind of stuff happened. And in situations like that, democracy is very overrated. You know, the right. whole idea of, of everybody having an equal vote. I think that works in very few circumstances because in many circumstances, and perhaps ours in the beginning, everybody wasn't doing equal work. Right. So to to have an equal say, I have to say that now we all discuss things and everybody in the band wants what's best for the band. It's not I want it because it's my opinion or I don't want it because it's yours. It's this is this is have this talk about rock and roll heaven. This is it. Did you ever bring a song to the band uh, back in the day uh, and Gene would say to you, we're not putting that on an album? Uh, it, 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 and and then those fights occur? Man, they, there could have been those. Yes, I'm sure here and there. I certainly brought many more songs. Cause for a record, I'd write 20, 30, whatever songs. He'd write a handful, and almost all of them would wind up being on the record. But I want to tell you a story about uh, Paul walks in during 79 or so, got a new song. And in the beginning, by the way, we traded ideas and kind of co-wrote and stuff. And then we walk, went off on our own. So he walks in. I got, I got a song for you. What's it called? I was made for loving you. Oh, that's great. How, what's the first uh, line? Tonight. Ooh, that's good. What, what's the second line? I want to give it all to you. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. That's cool. In the darkness. In the darkness. 
Okay, that rocks. Yeah, what? There's something I want to do. That's really cool. What's my part? Do, 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 do. No, no, come on. I'm doing God of Thunder. What's my part? You, you were upset and with the do, 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 do. You didn't like I it. I hate what? it to this day, except. <laughs> oh, there you thank go. you. Except. Stadiums, stadium fulls of people. Love it. Stu- you know, like, it's. Crazy! They jump up and down like biblical locusts. And so I you do these shows. We'll do festivals, and sometimes we'll find ourselves on a, a bill headlining over all these very hardcore metal bands. And in the beginning, we'd say, "Do we really want to play that?" And you have these people on stage. You know, the lead singer. And then we come on. You know, Kill your parents! All right, rock. And then we come on, and we're going, doo-doo, and the whole audience is, doo-doo, and that, that's, that's the beauty of music. It hits you here. It hits well, you sometimes in the heart. It's also fascinating, and, and Gene's a pretty good judge of what's going to be good or bad, but you don't always know. You don't know what the public's going to respond to. You can write, I'm sure, isn't it frustrating that you sometimes write a song and you go, this is a hit. I know I have just written a hit. And then you put it out and it's a dud. And then the thing that you think isn't a hit. I mean, it's got to be a mind fuck when you're I think in a what band. We, like, what we found out over time, unfortunately, is we can only do, we can only do our share. And we can give a, a record company, which aren't even called record companies anymore. You can give them product and they could drop the ball. So, right. Uh, yes, there there were certain songs where everybody said, oh, that's a hit, that's a hit. Well, you know, it takes a team. And if the team members aren't right, you don't win. You don't you don't score the goal. And once again, we're back to, to Eric and Tommy because we couldn't be here. We can talk all day. Yes, we've been here for 50 years. But the last 20 are really due kept, to these guys. These guys kept you in the game, in other words, because you guys probably would have walked away if it wasn't this perfect and fun and easy. If it, if it became another hassle, like with the other two guys, you would just sit there and go, oh, the fuck? We don't, we no slight to Ace and Peter. They were equally important to the formation of the band. We love them. We wish them well. We wish they would have been able to enjoy the the joy that we have in doing that. So this is not... The present lineup is its own validation. And, you know, the great bands that have lasted 50 years hardly have any original members. Or any. There are two stones left. You're right. What? Yeah, I know. Isn't it amazing well, had- that how long you guys have lasted? Was it was it soul-crushing to you guys when your first album came out? And you sold 70,000 copies, which, by the way, you know, hey, it's your first album. Uh, but is it like, were you imagining we are going to be huge? And, and, and did you go, oh, fuck, this didn't happen. We sold 70,000 copies. Was that one of the most debilitating moments being a member of no. this? Howard, you, you either, you know, obstacles or what you see when you lose sight of your goals. We saw that and said, hey, how about this? We put out three albums in 18 months because, wow. because we were determined. It wasn't okay. We're just going to do this until we we hit the jackpot. The records were one indication of how you were doing, but all we knew was we were a live band. We were doing like 200 cities in a year. We were playing five and six days a week and driving hours and hours, sometimes 10 hours between shows. I don't know how we did it, but 
in truth, we were blowing all kinds of bands off the stage. We opened up for all kinds of, I don't want to mention their names. Well, yes, you do. You, let's talk, Gene, let's talk about Aerosmith, for example. I love that band, and I'm sure They're you great. guys do too. They're, They're fantastic great. musicians. But some some bad blood happened there. I don't even know the story. No, honestly. that's not no, that's not so. We've always gotten along terrifically with each other. Many, many years ago, 40, 50 years ago, uh, we played on the same bill. And look, any professional, whether you get into the boxing ring or any kind of sports, any professional will get in that ring and try to knock out whoever's there. And just because our road crew pulled knives on them doesn't mean it's, it's any. <laughs> well, what know, is it? It gets it gets competitive, in other words. And also, maybe you had a chip on your shoulder because you go. No, you know. it's not. No, it's not fair to do that when you get in there. You've got to have the pride to get in there with the killer instinct because the fans deserve your very best instead of, oh, hi, how are you? You know, the only, I but, if you, but, but if you ran into, I, if you ran into Stephen and Joe today, you two guys, I would get along great. Love Joe. Oh, you would. Oh, okay. Yeah, Joe, Joe was on my solo record and everything. Yeah, we get Joe, along. Great. Yeah. Joe, Joe was on stage with us playing Strutter. So, um, but yeah, it, it really uh, comes Strutter down going to, back to the original album. Yeah. Is that is that Joe? No, no, not in the no, time. He, that was Kiss. He played live. And Joe came. Yes. Oh, he played live. Okay, gotcha. By the way, to this day, Paul Stanley believes he came up with the title and the, you know all this other stuff. The title Delusional. what? Strutter. He he thinks he wrote Strutter. I did. Yeah. Is that true? He's wrong. It, it, <laughs> who oh, has the writing credit? The, don't put him on the spot. It's a, who has the writing credit on Stanley that one? Sent, I do. No, we do. I yeah. This is I'm being nice. I wrote it. What do you? I wrote it. <laughs> B or B minor to the G to the D I, to I, the A. The, that the came lyrics, from Stanley the parrot. Right, and the lyrics are all mine. No, no, no. Yes, Strutter yes, was yes, me. Yes, no. Everybody says she's looking good because of the uh, Yeah, that's understood. me. There you go. Well, I've read interviews. Uh, but wait a second, Gene. I'm, I'm going to take Paul's side in this. He has said he wanted the same feel as brown sugar that the Stones uh, on, on Strutter. Correct. And um, he says he masterminded this whole song. He he, he doesn't feel that uh, I, you're... I, I don't want to upset him. You know? Hold on a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> see, they don't really get—they don't, they don't really get along as well as uh, they just, uh, say. I yeah, evidently, sorry, you know. Oh, yeah, but, Howard, the, but, but what about say, that though? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Paul. I just wanted to say about bands and any kind of tips we ever had. The the thing that will always rub us wrong, and we got a chance to make it right, is when bands, in a sense, sabotage you by not letting you use a full sound system or don't let you use all the lights, that's not playing fair. That's like going into the boxing ring with a hand tied behind your back. And a lot of Paul, bands, who did that to you? Who did that to you? A lot you? of bands did that. And bands still Name do a band. That. I'm curious. Well, because that seems like a really horrible thing. Yeah, it, it was. But I'm again, we're, we're Gene, all, I'll, who I'll, did I'll that? Argent. We opened Argent. for every band you can imagine because we just wanted to play. Hold your head up. Uh, hold Brown. your hold head. Hold head. Great, hold great up. writing, Russ, and all that. Great. And we had a killer road crew who were making 70 bucks a week just hunt and they they were in leather and they were real hardcore guys in fact some biker gangs were driving our truck or trucks and uh, our road manager at the time uh, junior 
way early on. He was our first uh, road manager. He was African-American, as a matter of fact, but that had nothing to do with it. He believed in the band. It was a culture and like a gang. When we swept into and opened up for great band, Argent, we went in there to knock the crap out of them, and they noticed we started getting encore after encore, and they pulled the plug. And then the next wow. show, they pulled they pulled the plug. We kept getting encores. Guess what happened the following show? Plug wasn't pulled, so we didn't have any more songs. We started the set again, and afterwards, uh, what what uh, happened, Junior? How come they let? How come they didn't pull the plug? Well, I pulled a knife on the guy and locked him in an anvil case, <laughs> in a road With case. It, you know, your memory is always kind of interesting to me, Gene. You made the statement that. Um, Eddie Van Halen had had it with uh, Van Halen and he wanted to join Kiss. Uh, he'd had it with David Lee Roth or something, one of those kind of things. And then that's true. Yeah. And Paul goes, Gene, that's not true. That never happened. No, Eddie, no really. Eddie, Howard, what I said was I was not. I saw Eddie in the studio and I spent time with Eddie. I was not privy to any of that conversation. So if it happened. Ah. Uh, Yes. Uh, then I know nothing about it. He was in the studio when we were doing Creatures of the Night, and he, I spoke to him. At that time, he seemed much more accessible, and I was speaking to him. But whatever went on with Gene, I can't, I can't validate or, or, or say no. The, the bottom line is that Eddie called me out of the blue at the time I was living in somebody's house in Beverly Hills, a singer. Cher? Was it Cher during the Cher years? No, it was Diana. Diana Ross, okay. Uh, Gene, I got to come down and see you. In the, you know, the, I'm having a miserable time and all that. So I said, come on down. You go, can, can we go to lunch and everything? Yeah, there's a place right across the street. Let's just go in there. And the guy who wound up in Kiss for a short time, Vinnie Vincent, somehow wound up sitting next to us. That was his way of doing it. And we're sitting having lunch before we started in the studio at 1 or 2 o'clock. And he said, I, I want to join Kiss. Wow. Yeah, you're not serious. You don't, you're not serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't take Roth. He's driving me nuts and all this stuff. <laughs> and I don't know what uh, basically the conversation was. You're out of your mind. You got to rough it out. Every band's got, you know, the ups and downs. You're, it's called Van Halen. It's your band. You got to stick it out and all that stuff. And then we came into the studio and he played us. I remember this. The, the demo or whatever of jump that they were doing just with synthesizers and we were looking at each other going so you're going to add guitars and you're the goes, greatest oh, guitar it. player what are you doing on the keyboards yeah he goes no that's it that's the whole song <laughs> that's that to, to di I, I just want to digress for a minute going back to um bands not treating each other well we've always made it a mantra that if you're on the uh, on the bill with us we give you everything. If you can knock us off our mantle, you deserve it. So go out there and kill them, and then we'll show you why we're the headliner. And the well, opening think... bands were opening bands were ACDC, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, you name it. Cougar, John Cougar, Mellencamp, Tom Petty, wow. Bob wow. Seger got his first gold album on tour with us. What a magnificent talent that is, Bob Seger. Huh? Yes. 
Yeah. But imagine what a great show that was for the fans. You get to see yeah. kids, and you get to see a band that goes out there. Our responsibility doesn't begin when we hit the stage. It's a KISS show, and it's our responsibility to make sure the opening act and the lights and the whole experience has got to be special. That's what it's about. And you get you get the opportunity to either get thumbs up or thumbs down from the audience. They will make the decision. And in those cases, Cheap Trick... We, we we saw Cheap Trick. I just saw Robin last month, and we were talking. We saw them in a club in New York, in Max's, Kansas City, and wow. loved them, and just said, yeah. come on tour with us. So, again, we've always been huge use fans of rock and roll, and for us, it's go out there and be great. There were a few times we might be sitting in the dress room and hearing a crowd go crazy, and that's a good thing, and we go, we better go out there and kick some ass. Yeah, it keeps you motivated. Great. Yeah, no, that yeah. is great. I was talking about a bit. Yeah, there's some bands that you, drives you crazy. You think should have been big, and, the, and then they weren't that big. Like I loved Enough's Enough. I was talking about it this morning, and there's a bunch of guys, really talented guys, just never really broke through that much. You know, it's it's a weird drugs, thing. Drugs, and yeah. drugs, alcohol. Yeah. You know, the guitar Anything. player overdosed. The other guy said, "Yeah, yeah, he." You know, so Cheap you, Trick if, should have been a huge band. The songs are undeniable. Robin, what, Cheap Trick? the best singer. Yes. Absolutely. Ro Robin, maybe the best voice out there, still, still sings great. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, God, the guitar playing, the music, it's just really, it's, it's such, that's why I celebrate you guys being around this long and this popular and this much success because there's only a handful of bands. Who's doing it these days playing on the, at the, at the, um, the kind of stadiums and stuff you guys do? Springsteen, um, who else do you point to? The Stones? I mean, I guess Pearl Jam, Foo Fighters. You know, I think of Foo Fighters as a new band. I mean, Dave, Dave and I used to take drop our kids off at school in the morning, so I would see Dave all the time. But it's very funny, you know, they're really the the last stadium act to come along. They're they're phenomenal and they're, thank thank God they're going back out. And yep. uh, isn't that weird though? I mean it, it like it's just a handful and you guys you know, you keep persevering and you keep succeeding, and it's uh, really just an incredible thing. Gene, you mentioned, um, you know, uh, Diana Ross. I mean, well, I got to uh, ask you when when you're with a yes, but when when you're with a famous woman like you've been, like Cher. I, I mean, Paul, what was it like for you when Gene was with Diana Ross or oh, Cher? Boy. Did you start to think maybe I've lost Gene? Like maybe I've lost Gene to because those relationships are so highly publicized and so powerful that Gene could have run off and been and been the power couple, you know? Yeah, everybody has their weaknesses, and I think truly Gene's weakness is, and here we are sitting dressed like this. But Gene's Gene's weakness is attention and being in a position of uh being seen and uh power and and power <laughs> right. or or let's say perceived power and and yes. uh yeah and that's dangerous because there were, certainly were times where I was like I'm bailing water this this ship is taking on a lot of water and if I don't bail water we're going down because my partner is off doing 
all kinds of things and showing up with substandard songs and tired from being out and not uh, doing his work. And it, it, it felt it felt like a betrayal. And uh, that 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 was tough. That was tough. Was it hard to go to Gene and say, Gene, I know you're you're with Cher and you're in love or you're with Diana Ross oh, and you're yeah. in love. Was it hard to go? No, to he him? came. This no, is, no, he, he did. He came right up to my face and said, "We got to have a talk. This is not working." Yeah, there was a come to Jesus moment, and uh, I said to him, "This isn't fair." I but said, did, "Did Gene? Did you think Paul was jealous?" And you, did you say to him at first, "Did you get defensive no. and say you're just jealous?" No, uh, no. Uh, you, you, if you're, you know, somewhat saying, "You're right." I've been right. Uh, coasting, and uh, you know, it, it is interesting in hindsight. There's the ladies are wonderful. That's in the past. We, uh, the power thing, no question about it. The weakness is. It's an aphrodisiac, my, in other words, Gene. In other words, my, when you're with a powerful woman like Cher, you, you're like, you're on top of the world, too. It does enhance you, it makes not, you feel better about approval. Even. Also, approval. You know, there's times where I've said to Gene, yeah. you know, the compliment you get is only worth the person who's giving it to you. And, you know, that that's very uh, intoxicating. But, uh, you know, look, we let, all... let me let me cut to the chase. You know, uh, life is a journey and all the other uh, cliches we've heard through it. But until I got serious about family and Shannon, who stuck by my sorry ass for decades and decades and never uh, waved the either you marry me or the, none of that stuff. You look back uh, at the past and all the you know, self-centered stuff I've done, and, and most guys in bands do, because being in a band is like trying to be on a diet and living in a bakery. You're just surrounded <laughs> right. by donuts right. and sweet stuff. <laughs> yeah. How do you not chew or at least swallow every once in a while? But absolutely, humor, humor aside, it took Shannon to uh, kick my ass and make me grow up and become, how about this, a man. Instead of and, a spoiled... And Paul held you on. accountable, though. I mean, I oh, like no that. Question. I, no question. And I like that it. you could listen to Paul about it, because I might have been like, you know what, man? I'm with Cher. This is perfect. I'm with Diana. Yeah, Paul. I don't this say man or bro. That's not... Right. I don't talk like that. You don't, no, you don't, he's you never, correct. You never say, yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. That's 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 really big of you. I mean, that's why you guys have been able to stay together. You no, do it's, hear no, each it's other. not. When somebody yes, it is cold water in your face, you kind of go, oh, uh, what was I doing? Well, yeah, but you can react two ways. You can feel the victim. But in most cases, I think Gene, I think Gene has understood that most of the time that I say something, it's coming from from a place, a, a constructive place, or I'm worried about something as opposed to I'm trying to get something. He's right, except I wrote Strutter. Yeah. But not <laughs> Paul, not, you uh, are, do you see yourself as the sane one in the band who has to hold everything together? No, I am far from sane. I am controlled. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so listen, yeah. we're talking. We're, I, we're I got to say something. Got to Go say ahead, something Gene. about that. Everyone, okay. you know, I keep referring to Eric and, and Tommy. You know, we go through our stuff. Every once in a while, Tommy turns around and says, what are you guys doing? That's not rock and roll. No, you shouldn't do that. Then Eric will chime in and say, no, I think you should. And there's that real thing that happens. A real band is a four-wheel drive vehicle. And this band is a real band. We're getting a lot of attention, 
The guys in the front seats are getting a lot of attention. But let me tell you, the guy in the back seat can say, what the fuck are you making a left-hand turn for? What are you, an idiot? Yeah, guys, you need that. You're promoting the end-of-the-road world tour. And you swear, I might have you raise your right hand and swear on a Bible that this is the end of the road. And uh, and and so there's a sadness, but also maybe a joy right in this tour. When, when is the band going to officially end the tour? What What's the details? December 1st and 2nd is Madison Square Garden. Those are the last two shows of the band. We're we're finishing up where we started. I believe wow. there's seven, 17 shows uh, before that in the States. Look, some people have kind of snickered and said, oh, this end of the road tour has gone on for years. Yeah, we lost two and a half years to COVID. Um, we would have been done already. Um, so this, yes, this is this is the end. When you come to see the show, it's awesome. It's the most high-tech show out there and yet it's clearly a kick-ass rock and roll show it's not it's not vegas it's not um something that loses its ball so to speak it's everything kiss just amped up and and ramped up so look we're giving it everything we have gene has said he thinks he'll cry during the last show oh oh i'm sure I, I, I kid around a lot of uh, men don't do that. I'm sure I'm going to cry like a nine-year-old girl whose foot's being stepped on. Absolutely. Kiss, Kiss was born on 29th Street, 10 East 29th Street. Otherwise it, known as 23rd Street. 23rd Street, I beg your pardon. <laughs> See, that's going to get worse, too. As I get over. So Kiss was born. Now we know why the band's ending. 10 East <laughs> right. 23rd Street. Dementia. Kiss was, Are you sure Kiss, about that Eddie Van Halen story? You want to yes. double check that? Yeah. Okay. Kiss, yes. was born, Kiss was born on 23rd Street. It's only taken us 50 years to go play the final shows 10 blocks away on 33rd Street, which is Madison Square Garden. Write, down, write that down. Go ahead. <laughs> what was the biggest mistake and the biggest victory the band made over those 50 years? What was the biggest mistake and victory? I think the biggest, I'm not a big believer in mistakes. Yeah, I was good. Yeah. I, I believe that everything you do gets you to where you wind up. And without those mistakes, you wouldn't succeed on the level you have. What doesn't so kill the you? One, the one thing that I think personally was a mistake was when... Our second drummer, Eric Carr, got sick with cancer. Um, he had heart cancer, which there's six cases a year. First, we didn't believe it, it could possibly be true. And over a short time, it became clear. And uh, he had major heart surgery. And I, I think that the brain just doesn't let you comprehend, at least it didn't in that case, mortality. I didn't believe that he could possibly die i thought this was a new ongoing condition okay he's got this and then it'll go away and right. had i known i think we would have treated it more sensitively um we took care of him we paid it his his medical bills but we also told him we're going to continue as a band while he's while he's sick well, he wasn't while he's sick. He was dying. And so that that's the only mistake I can think of. Um, mistakes in the band. Mistakes got us here.
Yeah, no, that's let, interesting. Let's talk about Eric Carr for a second, please, because there are fans that might get upset. We flew to Eric Carr's bedside immediately, as soon as we knew he went to the hospital. And is there anything we can do for you and all that? Yeah, can I can I have McDonald's, get the burger and fries and stuff? We immediately got him that. And Paul is right. You just, oh, he's sick. He's in the hospital. You just don't think he's going to pass away. I understand that. I have had people in my life who tell me they're sick. They and I, and I There's a denial on my part. I go, too young. They're not dying. And they've died. Uh, you, yeah. It sounds crazy, but you just almost don't believe it. I understand it was, what you're saying. It, and in hindsight, you go, wait a minute. They told us he had this this cancer that affects six people a year. And somehow we were just able to. We did what we thought was was caring, but we didn't take into account the the um depth of what was happening and so wow. yes um i feel i feel bad about that and he rightfully pulled himself away from us and felt betrayed so again a, a long answer for a short question but that is the only only regret i have wow eric and tommy you guys um you, when you replace Peter and Ace, did you have to deal with a lot of shit from the so-called Kiss Army? I mean, did you? Did, did was there a level of anger where you guys, at one point, maybe even said to yourself, "This ain't worth it"? Uh, no doubt about it. With me, with Ace and everything, I came in, and you know, those are Ace is popular, and uh, yeah. it was wasn't easy to begin with. You know, big shoes to fill, and you know, I felt a lot of pressure when I came in. To be, be honest with you it was it was a pretty intense well you know the interesting thing is when ace was in the band before i came in for the reunion tour i had to show him and i also peter how to replay their parts and help them out when they were doing the reunion tour when those guys came back in 96 for a couple mm. years but that but anyway, couldn't have been was, comfortable uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean they didn't like it they didn't like it but, right. uh, you know, but for me, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure to begin with. But over time, I've got more comfortable, obviously. And, uh, you know, and everything's worked out real well. Wow. Well, listen, Tommy I mean, has uh, embraced at this point. Tommy, you know, Tommy has an incredible amount of pride in what he does. And he's a phenomenal guitar player. I have to say, I didn't realize how good he was. I knew he was good enough to be in the band, but he's... He's leagues above what what I thought, and and I got good hair too. He's got. I got, I got to say for the, uh, for the record, I got to say for the record, Eric Singer is our secret weapon. He sits back there on a ton of drums and all that stuff. But let me tell you something. Besides being the heartbeat of the band and setting the tone and all that stuff and playing his ass off, that's why he doesn't have an ass. He's got the best voice in the band. When you hear harmonies in three parts, the high part is always. Eric, wow. spot on, spot on, Once harmonies, a, yeah. unbeatable, always there. Once upon Eric, a who time, is the greatest drummer that ever lived? Well, for me, it's Buddy Rich, but, and for rock drummers, probably John Bonham. But that's exactly. just my personal opinion. But, yeah, well, it's the right opinion. But what, Howard, are you getting, back to your, getting back to your question, Howard, you know, I had the unique thing. I actually 
came in in 92, replaced Eric Carr when he was sick. So right. I went through that with the fans. And then I came in when to replace Peter. You know, so I've replaced both drummers at different times. I go back to 1989 with Paul. I played in Paul's solo band 1989, so I've known him 33 years. So it's more than a 20-year, it's a 33-year relationship with me and and Paul and the band. I thought that was the craziest moment in KISS history. I remember being a disc jockey, and I remember they delivered to the um, radio station four different albums. Each member of KISS had put out their own solo album on the same day. And I was like, you know, I was a schlub. I was like, what? what is this? I don't understand why they're doing this. But you guys had to do that, right? You needed a break from each other? It what was, was the origin really, of that? It was a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Uh, when we were doing Kiss Meets the Phantom, which is right up there with Gone with the Wind as a film, <laughs> um, <laughs> the band basically wasn't speaking. We, we would go on stage, but we we were really in, in trouble. And Ace in a meeting, uh, on the set said, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to do a, an, an album. And Neil Bogart and Bill O'Coin said, well, why don't you all do solo albums and you can all, you know, let off some creative steam and be individuals. Crazy. Um, so it really was, it was, let's put this little piece of tape over for, for lack of a better, uh, uh, description this gaping wound that wasn't going to go away there was such animosity did you think it was the end it was it was delaying something where you had again two members of the band who were substance abusing and alcohol and were were in trouble and it it just it became monumental so it was without, sad. It, it was, was sad. It, yeah, it was because really... when you see the same guys that formed the band with you, and you want, you know, all for one. In the beginning, there was no question. All for one and one for all. In the beginning, you turn around and go, "Wow, look at Peter Gold!" You know, during the middle of a set, boom! That Ace would take a solo. Wow, I'm in a band with him. We all had pride in that thing. All for one, one for all was definitely in the DNA of the band. Wow. And then you know, fame, all the all the pitfalls, and all the uh, cliches, unfortunately, hit some of us harder than others. But it hit and all the, of us. The, but the band was taking in about a hundred million dollars a year at that point, probably. I mean, you guys were making we, big we money. We make a living. Says you made a living, Howard and Stern. <laughs> no, but but it, but it, but it's got to be really, really uh, just awful because you got this successful entity, and then. Things start falling apart. It's no joke. It's like, man, we got something good. This is the thing we dreamed about, and we're finally doing it, and then all this shit happens. It's really, mean, it's, it's really like being, I remember the feeling was being on a roller coaster and being pulled up and knowing that once we get to the top, we're out of control. It, the fame was coming, and I certainly knew that this ride was going to be you know, a, a knuckle, a knuckle buster. We'd be holding onto the poles, but you know, they say that fame changes you. And I go, fame just lets you be the asshole you are. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the truth. It's a license to get away with stuff that you, that was pent up inside you and that you couldn't, nobody would tolerate before. And it manifests itself differently in, in all of us, certainly in the band. We were concerned mostly about the fans. 
You didn't want to upset the apple cart, but especially you didn't want to disappoint the fans because they had the loyalty and all that. And we had a record called Creatures of the Night, which has some songs we still do. I Love It Loud right. and War Machine and some other stuff. And Ace's, we put Ace on the cover. He appeared in the video for I Love It Loud. That was the last time he was with us. And, you know, we wished him well and uh, it, we parted company, went off for his own solo career and he's still out there you know god bless him yeah and listen he had he had a big hit with that new york groove when he sure. put that out. i remember playing and that's that written by rod that, that was written by russ ballard russ from ballard. argent band yeah yeah but oh, wow, you know that's ace yeah. it bears noting that even though uh ace was on the cover because we didn't want to upset the fans that record was put together without ace he never played a single note didn't appear in the studio nothing we just didn't want to upset everybody because we had a new member, Eric Carr, and then who was going to be the guitar player. During the recording of the record, we were scrounging around trying to find different guitar players, you know, to fill. We didn't know who it was. And in the middle of it, Eddie Van Halen comes in. It was just all this. It was a crazy well, time. Is it true record. that Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi and Slash of Guns N' Roses auditioned for uh, to replace Ace? Um, Slash didn't. Slash called me on the phone. This this really nice kid in high school, I believe, <laughs> named Saul Hudson, called right. me, and he sounded great. And he told me that his mom had been a seamstress or something for Bowie, and uh, he sounded terrific. Just a, I, I felt very, very taken with him because he was very down to earth and and very well spoken. And he said, my friends call me Slash. And I thought that was cute. You know, he's in high school and he's called Slash. <laughs> and yeah. I said, you know, you're you're a little too young for this. But, you know, keep at it. So um, he's done okay. He's, he, and he Richie, fine, yeah. Yeah, and Richie, Richie did try out for the band. Richie's a, always been a phenomenal guitar player. It just didn't work within the band. And, uh, again, it worked out great for, for all of us. See, these stories are so great. It, 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 you guys probably have a million stories just like that, of just the people you've met and the experience you've had. But I don't want the morning to get away from us. I mean, I know you guys are going to perform, and I'm excited about that. But let's talk about what we're going to play first. What, it, what, what, Why this song, and uh, what's it mean to you, and, and any thoughts before you play? Well, it's a good song to play at this hour in the morning, because it'll, it'll certainly wake us all up. Um Detroit Rock City is an interesting one because Detroit really embraced us before any other city. We were an opening act everywhere else, and in Detroit, we were a, head, a headliner. You know, they, they, whether it's Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels or, or Seeger or Nugent or down the road, um, Grand Funk Railroad and Flint or the MC5, you had a real, a real, um, setgeist of of rock and roll so yep. they took us in really early on and uh, i like to say that they opened their arms and legs to us well i'll tell early. you what uh, detroit is the it's the it's a tough town it is a true rock and roll town and i've always you know i worked in detroit and they did not embrace me <laughs> i had a disastrous <laughs> run in detroit when i was young and uh i was on the radio there but man i have never lived in a more rock and roll town and if they embrace you i mean it is the ultimate stamp of approval forget the rock and roll hall of fame if the detroit audience will take you in that means you're a true rocker so this is well, so you wrote this as a tribute to detroit 
it, it started as a tribute to Detroit, and then it kind of took a left turn because we played Charlotte once, and somebody coming to the arena was killed in, in an accident. And I thought, how bizarre that somebody on their way to something so life-affirming loses their life. So there's a juxtaposition in that song about singing about how great Detroit is and actually about someone going to the show who doesn't make it. So should we start with Detroit Rock City and then move on from there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, let's play. It's early in the morning, but we can do it, right? This is it. We can this do place it. Would... Oh, yeah. All right. This is excellent. Let's do it. All right. This Just is getting exciting. over to... This is I exciting. Yes. And uh, we got to move a few stools and stuff like that. Gene strapping on his base. Boys getting into position. I feel lucky. Robin has her top off. <laughs> well, I'm going to wait till they start. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hi, Robin. Good morning. Yeah. You got your seatbelts on? We have it on. Okay. Rock me, boys. Okay. All right, this is uh, Detroit Rock City. Hold on, hold on. What's that? Oh, Eric's not ready. Okay. We're only as good as our drummer. I told you, one, two. One. Okay. All Detroit right. Detroit Rock City. One, two,
Now that was great. I love it. Uh, I loved it. Uh, first of all, a couple of thoughts. Uh, I, I'm so curious. Uh, the, the, the guitar solo you guys were doing. Um, no one does that anymore. I remember the Allman Brothers used to do it. Dickie Betts and, uh, and, and that he, he and used to like, and Dwayne, they would do that. To, yeah. I like the harmonies of the two lead guitars together. That's a nice move. It's easy for Tommy to work for me. <laughs> Tommy, uh, well, what kind of guitar do you play? That's a great sound there. This is a, a Gibson, you know, very, very well known Gibson Les Paul. Mine's yeah. white, as you can see. It's beautiful. Jesus, I should have practiced guitar. It was so smart of you guys to take up an instrument. I see you got some guitars uh, right there behind you. Yeah, it's all bullshit. I can't play for you. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. I get so jealous when I... It's still fun. I mean, it looks like fun. Gene, you look like you're having a good time. Well, I'm afraid to... <laughs> Paul, uh, that's why I've got to keep... Uh... This is... When we get up on stage, it's just energy we look across the stage we just go yeah he, uh, here we have to be sure we don't bang into each other paul i'm uh, really impressed with your voice i mean uh, at your yeah. age you know some guys lose it you still got it huh i've got tights on yeah that squeezes your balls uh, do you That's do you right. take do you take extra care in your voice do you take voice lessons how do you keep that all going uh, you know before the show I hate that and stuff. And he hates all that stuff, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't get easier. <laughs> you know, anybody who says, you know, oh, this so-and-so, oh, Paul doesn't sound like he used to. Right. I'm 70 <laughs> years old. Michael Jordan doesn't play like he used to. Right. You know, but if you want to hear, good to me. You know, if you want to hear that tone from the Kiss Alive, put on Kiss Alive. We're, we're doing pretty damn good. Uh, the next song you're performing is uh, Shout It Out Loud. And, uh, you know, I've, I've read stories about this song that it was inspired by the Hollies. And, uh, you know, uh, but but why did you choose this today out of the three songs you're going to play? Why? What was your thing, thinking there? It's kind of anthemic. And uh, we we were really writing songs that were rallying songs, songs to, that our fans could sing and feel a part of. That wasn't done at that time. When people talked about rock anthems, there were no rock anthems. Um, the closest, I would say, back then was Sly and the Family Stone, I Want to Take You Higher, right. something like that. But Shout It Out Loud, part of the roots of that are, we love R&B, and part of the roots are the four tops. It's um, um, that call and response well the night's begun and you want some fun do you think you're gonna find think, think you're, you're gonna, gonna find it. it you know which is really classic motown so uh little, wow that was the inspiration so uh, we, all, we all uh <clears throat> there was a piano bob ezrin was there time to write for a new record actually across the street from paul's apartment and started talking well, what should we write about and i remember saying you know, we had this song that we were writing, something about shout it out loud, but let's, or shall we want to shout it? Something like that. How about shout it out loud? The title happened and then the rest just kind of wrote itself. How about this? How about that? Did a record company guy say to you, you guys need an anthem? Give me something big or yeah, it, was, we, it was sort of a mandate. Yeah. Neil Bogart, bless his heart, um, really was somebody who in some ways was a visionary and he sat us down in his office and said, this was in 73, 74. 
said, you guys need an anthem. And we were like, what's an, what's anthem? an anthem? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, a song that your fans can rally behind that embodies what you're about. And he said, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, he said, um, I want to take you higher. Dance to the music. Some songs that really connected you um, in terms of psyche to your audience and right um we went back i went back to the continental hyatt house back then it was called um a hotel that was known for debauchery and led zeppelin getting banned and of course we had to get banned so we rode a motorcycle down the hallway and <laughs> yes we got banned but i went to my room and i went shout it shout it shout it out loud and then I went to knock on Gene's door and say, hey, Gene, I've got this song. Shout it out. Oh, I'm sorry. Now we're talking about rock and roll all night. So, but rock and roll all night was, I want to rock and roll all night. And I went to his room and he said, I have a song called, called Drive Me Wild. And, I'll and we put crazy. those two together. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a collaboration as was shouted out loud. Right. He got he got mixed up. It's going to get worse. He knows I, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should we? He can't remember where we began, and I can't remember what I'm talking about or his name. <laughs> we literally have we literally have signs right underneath the microphones. It's the name of the city. Gene, you're in Cleveland. Yeah. All right, you your Cleveland. sign says your name on it. That's right. <laughs> but but Gene, I'm watching Cleveland. I'm watching you guys play live, and, you, and does it drive you crazy now when you when you turn on televisions and no one's playing live anymore? I mean, it, it is we don't weird. Care. You don't, don't you, you know? Don't. Honestly, I don't think that the people watching care. The people who, I do. Let's say, well, I, you know, I'm thinking about. I, I know you had some comment about the the Super Bowl. For those right. people who are singing in a, a, a stadium, you can't sing live the echo is so unbelievable that you have to have something being fed to you and look she may be lip-syncing but she sang the song it's not it's not millie vanelli she sang the song and no the in network... fact i was upset that they released that comment in the way they did because i was being complimentary quite frankly to rihanna and then and then uh, but i said it's lip-syncing it's but, it's not but you know the beginning it's not... But the beginning and end of it, isn't it about the fans? I've gone to EDM concerts and uh, all kinds of stuff where a guy stands on stage, presses one button, everything's happening, and he's just jumping up and down, and everything's pre-recorded. I also so think... What? If the fans are having a great time, that's no, but there about. is a joy in watching. Right now, I have a bird's eye view of you. I totally, love what you're doing right now with the, with the guitars. Totally with and, you. Yeah, it's, it's totally with you. Totally with you. But that said, the shows that people were doing, including us, 30, 40 years ago, technology has taken it to a level where things are all synchronized. Computers are synchronizing lights and sound. Right. And it's a different world out there. And uh, that's why we, we, we're going to play. Let's do it. Shout it out loud. Out I'll out remind loud. you where you are and One, what two, you're doing. Three,
I love it. I love it. Let, I'm ready to sleep with you guys. Now I get it. Let's do it. Come on, man. Who wants me? Which member? Wow. Who's Fabulous. First? Robin first. How, bad, of right? course. How long does it take when, when you got when you do you guys ever get together and harmonize just that uh, acapella? No mute, no oh, instruments. So you know, yeah. you know, yeah, like when we, you, we make you, sure we make sure the blend's right. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. guitar solo's nice too. Give me a little of that solo. Give me just just, just do the solo. I think Howard wants to hear that solo from that last yeah. song, right? Yeah, yeah, go, go. Wow. Great sound. I love it. I tell you, you guys make it look like so much fun. You know, Gene, your tongue is longer than my penis. Every time you stick that thing out, it really upsets me. You should not start something you're not going to finish, my son. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, no better place uh, to end up this uh, fabulous morning with you guys than rock and roll all night. I, I think that, is that, would you say that's the song, the, the closer, if you will, for Kiss when they do a live show? You can't, you, you can't end the night with something better than that because that really encapsulates everything we've always been about. And, uh, that's one thing in the show that doesn't change is rock and roll all night is kind of like the synopsis, you know, uh, of the, uh, the book. How'd that song come about? Any Again, special memories? Yeah. Rock Neil, and roll. Neil Bogart. Yeah, anthem needing. This was the original anthem, and uh, uh, Neil had spoken. It was it was this one, not shout, uh, shouted out loud. Right. And I went back to the hotel, and uh, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. I want, and I went. That's pretty catchy. Knocked on his door. I had a song you... called Drive Me Wild. You drive me wild, I'll drive you crazy. It was a verse, and then you put it together. But I want to tell you something about the chorus. It is surprisingly more complex than you think it is. Musicians will understand. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. That's a bar. But his chorus doesn't follow that rule. Can you explain it? I want to rock and roll all night. One, two, three, four, one, and party every day. One, two, three, four. It changes. What do we call that, Eric? You guys are pretty... It's a five. Pretty musical. What do you guys mean? I'm trying to understand because I'm not a musician. In other words... Neither am I. Gene, your point is what? A bar has four beats. G means it plays over the bar of the pickups on the two of the riff. There he goes. So one, you two. have to start the one, two th later than it normally happens. But it's seamless because the drum's going boom, boom, boom. So it's the musician will say, oh, that's kind of complex. The complexity is hidden in the simplicity of the performance. So and there's the some musician. extra beats. So there's some extra beats in the bar is what you're saying. Yeah. Is that yeah. it, Eric? No, no. 
What it's, it means is where we the sing. riff starts on the two of the measure rather than on the one. Most things would start, I want to rock and roll all night. We're starting on the two. And party every day. I. Two. So that, that's, it's, then it, it kind of starts over again. Yeah. So it's a longer bar. And this no, it's song. Not a longer bar. It actually, you, you start the riff on the backbeat. I, what, one, I, I, I starts on the two, which is the backbeat. Which is, backbeat's I, on two and four, Gene. One, one, two. So we're just starting on two. One, two, three, four. But on the first chorus, it's two, three, I, four, on the one. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, one, two. Uh, so it's on two. Which is the backbeat. Yeah. Anyway, so in other words, I'm worried that when you guys play this, you're you're going to screw it up because now Gene <laughs> no. seems to be. Now we're, now we're, now we're thinking about it too. Yeah. You know? yeah. But this was this was the band's first big top forty hit, right? Yes. This is this is a meaningful song to you. It means wow, we broke through top forty radio. And if we blow it, Howard, it's your fault. You confused us. <laughs> I want to tell you, this we've be, been we've yes, been ahead, all over the world. South America, Europe, and stuff. A lot of languages, a lot of cultures. When that song comes out, everybody knows the words. Everyone knows that along. song. And, and, and Gene. And, yes. Eric, I, Eric. I was going to tell you that the song became a hit after because of the Alive yeah, album. Yeah, it's Alive. True. It was, on the, it was on the second album, or third album, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think oh. Howard has a point he's going to make right now. No, actually, that is a real good point. The live version of this has so much energy. This is when it became, that, like, really the big number that we all know. And that's what we're going to give you right now. The, we're going to play live. And uh, everybody here can go crazy, all, all eight of you. And look, and remember, I'll be singing. This is real. Okay. Oh, and, I want to rock it. It's real. And, 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 and also, uh, don't forget about that thing with the bars. Don't screw that up. It's very, very <laughs> tricky <laughs> stuff. Thanks, will this be, will this be the last song of your last concert? In other words, when Gene is in tears and it's the end of the tour and it's the final tour, will this we're be the gonna, final song? Yeah, I would say so. And we're all going to, I, I don't think any of us know how much this is going to impact us. I think we're going to be blubbering idiots by the, by the end, you know, it's not just about the last show. It's about everything it represents and everything the fans made possible. When right. we uh, got back together for the reunion a long time ago, uh, when we tried to do it with Ace and Peter again, we started playing. And I will tell you, uh, we were at sold out Tiger Stadium, I don't know, in 40 minutes or something. So you got a stadium full of people, and we could see a few rows, and we start playing, and people were crying. It was just so... Emo you know, there's one thing which is fan response, you know, the frenzy and stuff. And then when it reaches deep inside of you, and you see them... I'm getting choked up now. You, you understand you do that well. It's deep. <laughs> Gene, you're because good, it's you're the good. soundtrack of people's lives. It's not just music. It's where you were, who you were when with. You heard it, it's, right. it's a deep meaning. Let's leave. Well, here Let's it is. Get out. Let's leave with a, a, a fond farewell. A bombastic farewell. Um, okay. Howard, you know this one. This is Rock and Roll All Night! Party Every Day.
Yeah. We, you know what? We want to do that one more time. You should. Without the mistakes in it. Because you see, you can't hear the guitar. Up. What do you mean? That was so good. I was going to say, fuck you, Argent. I was going <laughs> to. You guys weren't no. happy with Double that? Solo. No, let's do it again. Ready? Double solo. More guitar. Okay. All right. Okay. This, right. Is, this, is, this is the keeper. Great. Yes, we make mistakes. Trust me. It was a. Uh, it sounded it was, so uh, good. Now I was gonna. I, I wanted time. all you guys inside of me at once. I, that's how it oh turned out. Settle down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what threw them off. They could feel that. What didn't you? What didn't you like about that, you guys? What? What we happened? Actually, um, we're not pointing fingers, but we're gonna do it again. So it's but, but, rock uh, and roll on nine. Party every day. One, two, three.
Yes. Woo. Guys, one more time. I think we, we need it one more time. Come on. Come on. Eric wants to play we it again. We can't count it again. Why don't you ask Arjun to do it again? <laughs> yeah, Arjun. Boys, what a morning. That was uh, fantastic. And how do you guys decide who gets to sing lead on this? Like when you wrote that song, Gene, you do such a, a great job with that. But why did you, was there an argument between you guys or a decision-making process as who gets to, how do you decide no. who sings lead? How do you know? Who sounds best? Um, did you try again, it both ways? We may have, but sometimes it just naturally just I, happens. What naturally happened is we were in the studio and Paul had a song. We were making fun of each other's songwriting. And he says to me, uh, all you ever write about is monster stuff, like God of Thunder. Wait, that's a cool title, God of Thunder. So he goes home and writes a song called God of Thunder. And uh, then I say, ah, and all you ever write about, is this right? Silly girl songs. Whatever with, uh, you say. Chris, <laughs> I wrote Starter. Uh, all you ever write about is like Christine 16. He goes, hey, that's a cool title. So I went home and <laughs> wrote Christine 16. But when we get in the studio, we're playing the demos. And Bob Ezra, the producer, says, God of Thunder. You wrote that, Paul, right? He goes, yeah. Okay, Gene's going to sing it. <laughs> And that's how it happened. It was like, you know, Pac-Man. <laughs> Did you get upset? I mean, when you write a song and, and, and Gene gets to sing it, do you get upset? I was crushed. I so helped me. But in hindsight, two things. He sings it much better. And he has to put up with the fact that his signature song I wrote. Right. Uh, right. Other than Strutter, which I wrote. You didn't write Strutter. <laughs> you don't even know where we rehearsed. 29th Street, right? Yeah, 29th 20, Street. 23rd Street. <laughs> no, 29th. It was a flub. I got, I got this, nervous this, with Robin. This might actually be the final kiss show we had it here, the way Paul and Gene are arguing over everything. It's, uh, yeah. I think, this I think is the band's going to break up. Yeah, we're going to break well, up fellas, and see how... It's been one hell of a morning. I, I loved it. Kisses, of course, here. They're not here for their health. They're promoting their end-of-the-road world tour. This is going to be it. And, of course... I'm getting sad now talking about that. Robin, oh, are we going to see you at some of the shows? Maybe. Oh, she'll be there. Maybe. Come backstage. Come backstage, <laughs> oh, yeah. Robin. Oh, now here you go again. I know, but you'll change. Come backstage. <laughs> Howard. <laughs> Yes. You know, when, when Paul said uh, the final shows of Kiss are going to be December 1st and 2nd at the Garden, that even hit me a certain way. You know, I mean, it was like, wow. Wow. There's, it's yeah. what we were talking about before, Whoa. things being finite. It's like, holy cow. It's not that far but, away. But we have 17 sh shows leading up to that in the States. It's the greatest show we've done. And was it weird today doing it without the pyrotechnics? And all? I mean, I like you guys stripped down like this. but We was have it to be. We started as a band, like I was saying earlier about the Fillmore, going in New York to see all these bands. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a kick-ass rock and roll band. You can dress it up any way you want, but a crap band with a big show is still a crap band. So for us to do this, we love doing this. Oh, I loved yeah, it. Do you ever do acoustic? A, were you ever doing acoustic? not at zero o'clock in the morning. Well, zero. I know. We've done, <laughs> we've done acoustic, yeah. There was actually the, the second biggest MTV Unplugged album is Kiss Unplugged. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that so. that performance. Yeah, you guys did Unplugged. Yeah. I remember Can when I you took off your makeup for the first time with MTV. First time. That was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Hey, Can listen. I go put my pajamas on now? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I kept you guys. Yes. I kept you guys for like two hours, and you, you've been great and gracious with your time. And uh, I so enjoyed watching you play and sing and talk about the uh, you know the, the the genesis of the band and and even the genesis of like you guys uh, and your closeness and your background with your families. It's just uh, really been spectacular. And so, uh, thank you for that. And so uh, nice to see you in the studio all together. Yes, well, love it. And uh, you guys sound great. And your voices sound it's fantastic. Kisses are going to be end of the road world tour. Robin will be there. She will have her top off. I will uh, be here. swinging yeah. the bra over my head. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Love it. Here, kiss. Here, kiss on uh, Classic Rewind, Channel 25 and Hair Nation, uh, Channel 39. And, uh, yeah, final shows December at Madison Square Garden. Be there, be square. The boys say, listen, that point in their lives got to end. They need family time. Who knew? This is what they're saying. I believe them. I'm taking you at your word. And thank you for doing this. Love seeing you Howard, guys. kudos to you, man. You have, thank you. you have really blossomed over the years. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Well, you know, I've gotten old. I've, Gene is not proud of me, but I will no. say this. We rock and rolled all morning, and now, for me, I'm going to go take a nap all afternoon, which is a song I'm writing. I'm going to rock all afternoon in a rocking chair. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Listen, thank you for doing this. Mm. Kiss everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank guys. Bye-bye. There they are. There they go. And uh, that was fun. Man, watching oh. them do that, so great. Well, they've uh, stood the test of time. Kiss. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought up that stuff about, you know, because they've written lots of anthems. Yeah. You know, yep, so somebody yep. suggested that to them at one point, and they started with that one and, and got a lot more out of that genre. I still don't understand what they heard and why they had to do the last song twice. I don't know me. what made them want to do it again. I have no idea. But it was I fun. Didn't hear so. any mistake. Yeah, but... Yeah. I'm glad they did. Yeah, same. All right. Well, uh, yes, yeah, Sal, you must be coming in your pants. Huh? You love those boys. Uh, Howard, I know what happened in that first version. Uh, Tommy continued with his solo. I think when they do the live version, they had an extra solo, I believe, at the end. And Tommy came in after the solo. The, the timing wasn't off, but him coming in with an additional solo threw the band slightly off. Ah. And that's ah. what it was. Yeah. Well, Sal, that must have been a big moment for you. You know, uh, <laughs> Sal got Sal got thrown out of a Kiss show for uh, sticking his tongue out at Gene. And uh, you know, I it's funny about there that after you talked about it yesterday, and I said, how could he get himself thrown out of a Kiss show? I'll yeah. tell you, it's, it's one an better, outrageous, amazing show. Page six, the New York Post wrote about it the next day and had his name sal governale and and uh, they said a uh, frequent uh, guest on the howard stern show the days when <laughs> oh he used to call God. in yeah, and, I, and call I was out. like oh great sal does something dumb at the kiss show gets himself thrown out and the next thing i know my name's in the paper so uh, <laughs> you know it's crazy <laughs> post <laughs> yeah, i blame you not the post okay, anyway listen me. i'm sure that was fun for you it was sure. phenomenal, Howard. What a great, great interview. You know, Kiss all the time, they're big on promotion, and this is the first interview uh, where you went, you took a deep dive into their families and their backgrounds, and 
it was new new news to myself and i know the fans the fans out there including the super fans i think are going to be intrigued by this uh by getting so much of that incredible background information on their upbringing and their inspirations you got it out of them howard it was amazing well, from and the man they're who, uh, all in such a really great place at this point in their lives, you know, yeah. they're really happy with their lives and appreciate everything that's happened. Well, I'm yeah. ready to go um, pee. It's been two hours <laughs> since I uh, took a break. So, all right, gang, uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, thank you to Kiss.